Are you fucking me? Not yet. <laughs> no one is fucking you ever. You're a loser. <laughs> Probably. Hey, I just found this new feature. It's really neat. Check it out. Yeah. Are you fucking me? Are you fucking me? Are you fucking me? Are you fucking me? I can loop shit. <laughs> Are you fucking me? 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 Damn. It doesn't even sound like you. No, the are you fucking me? Oh, that's definitely you. I know it's me uh, after hearing it, but it just didn't sound like me at first. Well, it's um it's a recording from the MP3. Oh, okay. Are you fucking me? It's really digitized, you can hear it. Yeah. All right, let's stop fucking around. We got a lot of shit to go through, so let's yeah, get this Jesus. show going. This is a, this isn't fucking nurse fucking bullshit anymore. This is a fucking this is a real movie. <laughs> nurse Sherry is a real movie in that it was made. Anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. Garbage people. Cinema Psyops. My personal view is that it's nauseating, disgusting, degrading, ghastly, stupid, cruelly and pyrotistic and generally nauseating. They are unbelievably nauseating. They are the antithesis of humankind. I regard them as disgusting, nasty, horrible, without any kind of merit. I just do not believe that any allegedly cultural activity which strikes at the roots of culture is to be applauded. They represent nothing to my mind, enduring, decent, or worthwhile. I just do not believe that they contribute anything worthwhile to inflict themselves upon society at large. I would like to see somebody dig a very, very large, exceedingly deep hole and drop the whole bloody lot down it. You know, I think uh, the whole world will be vastly improved by their total and utter non-existence. Cinema Psyops with Hort and Matt. Hey, Pally, you're here listening to Cinema PsyOps because you probably got something wrong with your brains and stuff. Joining me in the studio is another me. Hey, Pally, how you doing? I'm all right, Pally. How are you doing? I'm okay. You know what this device is for? I think that's a machine for jacking off. You're exactly right, Pally. I don't think I can do this the entire time. I know episode. you can. <laughs> I'm working on it. I mean, Maybe we my... should do it only during the assault scene because that <laughs> seems like it would be respectful. Spoiler alert, that's a clip. <laughs> I wasn't writing down anything in that. No, 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 no. <laughs> but listening to it isn't going to be much more joyful either. <laughs> Actually, it's it's quite pleasant to listen to. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course it isn't. Yeah, so we're doing all six Death Wish movies, including the remake with uh, yeah. Bruce Willis in it. It's a mountain of rape and revenge. Well, there's a whole bunch of revenge. Yeah. Um, there's a modicum of rape. Some movies are worse than others. Yes. And coincidentally, I think you have the worst rape scenes I have the, the worst ones you one. have to cover. I have the worst one. Yeah, I'm Two. Doing, I'm doing the odd ones and you're doing the even, even ones. ones. Yeah. And then the new one. Yeah. Well, which is uh, the even, even one. Yeah. yeah. It's guess number six. Yeah. It would technically be six. Yeah. yeah. And um, we, we've already covered one in this series, which was called Death Sentence. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, there was no rape in that one. No. But still, you get to watch the yeah, guy get his I, I've got the, the, the worst ones coming up next. Yeah. I get the worst one on that. <laughs> and if you don't think I'm not just clipping that whole thing out. <laughs> 
You can't ignore it. It's got to be there. It's, a, it's got to be there. It's, it's an integral part of the film. And there's, or else you have no vigilante, Pally. <laughs> I was a liberal and a bleeding heart one at that until they killed my wife and yeah, raped my daughter. Yeah, not for nothing. But now I'm a gun-toting right winger. Not, not for nothing, but was this movie like sponsored by the NRA? I think it may have been, yeah. yeah like yeah. it was made by the NRA. Because, yeah. I mean, it really took a few pot shots at like a lot pot of people. Pot shots? Yeah. Pot shots, huh? Yeah. You like that? I like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, more resounding today than it was on the day that it made in the yeah. 70s. It I really mean, it's is. it's uh, it's still very fresh issues that we deal with to this day. That's because nothing ever fucking changes in this country when no. it comes to violence, Except for and now, guns. New York's not seen as a cesspool of danger anymore. It's now it's seen more like, almost like Disney World, like a freaking eh, attraction. There's there's a shiny veneer and a new paint job over top of it. Yeah. But that old New York is still there. It's still beating. Yeah. Gentrification hasn't destroyed it yet. They may have pushed the junkies away from the main Times Square and all that kind well, of stuff. The, they let the uh, Giuliani, you know, being a right-wing kind of guy, let the cop really go a little bit more ape shit than other mayors were willing to let him go. And if also, by ape shit you mean he had a race or war going on? Yes, that's yeah. what Giuliani did. And also uh, really upped the amount of punishment, like really made sure judges upped the amount of punishment even for like bullshit crimes, you know? Like walking while black? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's a big crime That there. was like 25 to life at Rikers. <laughs> oh man, there's no way around really talking about the stuff that's going on in this movie without getting a little bit of that but it's episode 150 yeah. let's try and have some fun i i, I want to have fun we got plenty of feedback we got, yeah that looks fun i counted it out we have a little over one for every 10 weeks that we've done an episode without oh, a fail nice yeah <laughs> and by hey. we i mean me because there's plenty that you haven't been on in that that's true <laughs> hey belly way to go guys yeah let's not pat ourselves on the back just yet. We haven't actually done episode 150 just No yet. kidding. And we got... One of us could keel over any time. Yeah, or shit themselves. That, yeah. That's probably going to happen. Ooh. <laughs> Who says it already hasn't? <laughs> it depends. Like, <laughs> While I make Matt go change out his depends, <laughs> we're going to take a little break here. We'll play a promo for another podcast. We'll have a little bit of music befitting of Death Wish. When we come back, we will have the trailer. Bad movies. The world is full of them. From low-budget crap fests to downright unwatchable. And only two men are willing to watch them all. So climb in and take your seat. This is Short Bus Cinema. Let's do it. Hey everyone, this is Johnny Krug from Kruger Nation. And this is Rick Morgan from the Helming Power Hour. And we have decided to team up and take you where no one has gone before. We're on a quest to find the world's worst movie, and we're doing it on the bus. Driving through cult classics in every genre to find the holy grail of bad movies. So if you're looking for something different and more fun than you can stand, then climb on in. Short Bus Cinema is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. That's right, yo. Short Bus Cinema. We love to watch the movies you hate. Standing tall, I 
I get it. You're, you're hungry? Kind of <laughs> human will target. You, will you eat a Snickers? Because <laughs> you'll go, you go all death metal when you're hungry. <laughs> Man, that would have been a brilliant bit. Too bad we fucked that yeah, one up. Yeah, I, I right. like that. Yeah. That's what we get for trying to be so spontaneous. Exactly. You know? <laughs> Speaking of spontaneous, Matt, here's the trailer. Hey! Enjoy a typical afternoon in New York City. My name is Paul Kersey. How's my life? I'm sorry. She died a few minutes ago, Mr. Kersey. Any chance of catching these men? There's a chance, sure. Just a chance. I'd be less than honest if I gave you more hope, Mr. Kersey. This is Paul Kersey. This is the story of a man who decided to clean up the most violent town in the world. I said, turn around. Give me the money. He begins where all the super cops leave off. Bugging has gone down by how much, sir? 950 a week to 470, you reported last week. You understand not too many people know that. And uh, you want to keep it that way, huh? Oh, no, we have to keep it that way, Inspector. This whole city would explode. And if this person is listening to my voice, I urge him in the name of law and order to desist from this one-man crusade and turn himself into the police. Let's see the money, man. Call him a mad vigilante. Call him a hero. Either way, he's always on target. We want you to get out of New York permanently. Never make a death wish. Because a death wish always comes true. And you get to love it. Never make a death wish because a death wish always comes true. Yeah. And you get to love it. Wow. <laughs> Is that anything like don't make an unbreakable vow like in Harry Potter? Yeah, you probably shouldn't make any vows to begin with. No. Yeah. No. Those are always mistakes. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> we, we, we may have fucked up. <laughs> that never happened. That never happened. Did we just wake up? Are you going to new heart this? Yeah. Fucking new heart never happened? No, it's going to be like Dallas. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, where all of a sudden he's just in the he's shower. He's just in the shower alive. Yeah. <laughs> it's like St. Elsewhere. It's just a fucking autistic kid, and he's playing with a fucking snow globe. That that's is how the show, show is. That's how this show got created. Yeah, an autistic kid started playing with a snow globe, and the next thing we know, cinema psyops existed. Yeah, yeah. wake up, you people! You're all asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all 150 episodes, yeah. all within a snow globe. All within a snow globe. Yeah. All right, so the film opens on a vacationing Kersey's, who are still very much in love. We see this right off the bat where Mrs. Kersey comes out of the water in her bathing suit, and Mr. Kersey stops to basically make her pose for photos over and over again. She's very, very embarrassed about it, and they then start discussing the evils of public lovemaking, which apparently at one point in time Miss Kersey was okay with. Mm. Or Mrs. Kersey, I should say, yeah. was okay with. But now, some respect. but now she's like, we should go back to the hotel room and blah, blah, blah. I think what she was trying to say to him was, I don't want sand in my ass. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I get, that shit gets everywhere. It really does. But anyway, she wants to go back to the hotel and they're very much in love. And that's what they end up doing, which is establishing that the Kerseys are very happily married. Happy family. 
family. And they want to establish this life in very short order that we're about to see everything get lost. So you have to see his love for his wife. You have to see what it is about his wife that he really does love. And you can kind of see this tender, loving moment right before it all gets ripped away from him. I mean, spoiler alert, Death wishes about revenge. Yeah, so I mean. It gets ripped away from him. Yeah. But yeah, you have to care about it because if it gets ripped away and you don't care, then what the hell? We also get a little travel log that shows just how much of a shithole and a dumpster fire New York was in the late 70s and early 80s. Yeah. Wow. The fuck? I mean, really, Escape from New York was just kind of, you know, a documentary about that time. <laughs> before gentrification came through and yeah. cleaned it all up. Before the hipsters came in and made everything better, apparently. Or worse, depending upon your perspective. I think worse, but <laughs> go ahead. We then see the credits over top of this trip back to their penthouse, which is set up to give you the little travel log to show you how messed up New York is. Yep. And then the next cut, Paul is back to work, and that leads to our very first clip. You want to know what was happening while you and Joanna were living it up in Maui or Cowie or Yowie, whatever it is? What? There were 15 murders the first week and 21 last week in this goddamn city. That's a lot. You know, decent people are going to have to work here and live somewhere else. By decent people, you mean people who can afford to live somewhere else. Oh, Christ. You are such a bleeding heart liberal, Paul. My heart bleeds a little for the underprivileged, yeah. The underprivileged are beating our goddamn brains out. You know what I say? Stick them in concentration camps. That's what I say. Henry. Hello. I've been running the cost and on the Jane Chill development in Tucson, Arizona. Well, based on these figures, I don't see how Blue Ridge can underwrite 50% of it. Well, Jane Chill's been very successful in a small way. Well, then I suggest you send a man down from our San Francisco office to step it out. Redesign it if necessary, because that's a high risk for the acreage involved. I'll talk to Ing about it. Thanks, Paul. Oh, uh, Paul, how does it feel to be back in the war zone after Hawaii? I was feeling pretty good until I ran into Sam and he delivered the crime rate statistics. But what this city needs is more cops than people. You'll have to find another option, Samuel. No one could pay the taxes. <laughs> what a fucking fascist bastard that well, Samuel guy is. Well, let's just face it. Trump supporters have been around forever. <laughs> they were just looking for someone to get behind the ideas. Yeah. They were all like, I like your ideas. I find them interesting, and I can't wait to subscribe to your newsletter and or vote for you. How do you think Reagan got elected? <laughs> was guys like him. Yep. I mean, like, he's hitting all the buttons yeah. of, like... He legit used the word concentration camps, all right? He didn't even try to pretty it or doctor it up. Like, no, we no. should we should put them in special sections of the city. Yeah. I mean, he didn't even try to, like, he's hide not, it like that. Yeah, and he's talking about anyone who is underprivileged and poor. They should yeah. just get shoved off to, like, Hooverville. Yeah. Is his idea. But, like, enforced Hoovervilles where they're kept in there. Exactly. To mug each other and not have to tarnish and, his wonderful suit in life. And now that's... that guy <laughs> and that's what the hipsters are currently doing with gentrification so yeah but they're doing it a lot more politely with their overpriced coffee yes <laughs> yes they they weren't going to be so outwardly racist about it no they're putting them in an economic concentration yes. camp where they can only afford to live in neighborhoods where yes. they're not currently putting up coffee shops yep. and pop up bistros and all the other and fucked up, up stupid shit pop up micro brews and whatever else yeah fucking pretentious bastard <laughs> and i like brews <laughs> <laughs> they cut away from this clip to mother daughter out shopping as the one and only Jeff Goldblum and his cohorts find the address for 
the grocery delivery and decide that they're going to follow these two women back and they're going to use that to basically take advantage of the two ladies. Mm-hmm. They follow the ladies back to the apartment building and sneak into a service entrance that was being used by some guys delivering some furniture. I mean, there's like five guys trying to carry one giant old antique yeah. couch. What the fuck are they going to do? Stop to turn around and close the door behind them. Exactly. Yeah. There should have been a security guard there or something. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just showing you just how easy it is for crime to come to your door, no matter how affluent and well off you may be. Exactly. Yeah. They make a break for the stairs after making it through past the delivery men and find the apartment that they were looking for from the address and then begin knocking on the door. And as I may have mentioned earlier, and you may or may not hear if I edit it out, I don't feel like describing these current events. So that is our next clip. Who is it? Groceries, man. If he gets hurt, mother, just hold still. Don't move. What do you want? Don't jive, mother. You know what we want. You're not going to hurt us. Not if you got money. Nobody, nobody. Hey, mother, look at the artiste doing his art. That beautiful mother. My purse is in the kitchen. Just stand still. We'll do as they say, Carol. Where is your purse? Shit, you only got four bucks. I got three two bits. You're going to get the shit kicked out of you, mother. That's all we have. Rich people like you? Shit, we want money, mother. Now get it! It's true. That's all we have. Fuck you. I'll step you in the ass. Leave her alone. Goddamn rich cunt. I kill rich cunts. Mother's getting the shit kicked out of her. Hey, let's screw this one, man. Let's travel. No, man. Let me paint her ass. Hey, man, you're you're I'll show you how to paint, man. I'm going to paint her goddamn mouth. Get your mouth. You got your mouth like that. Shit, let's split. Don't get my wife on the phone, please. Mr. Curse's office. Is it my wife? No, sir. It's your son-in-law. Hello, Jake. Dad. Dad, we got trouble. Trouble? You and Carol. Don't tell me about it. <laughs> no, no. Dad, it... It's mom and Carol. They're taking them to the emergency receiving in our hospital. What the hell for? Look, I don't know. The police just called me. What's happening, Jack? I don't know any more than that, Dad. Look, I'm at my office. I'm going to the hospital. Just meet me there, okay? Oh, are they, are they all right? I don't know. I just got here a few minutes ago. You know anything? Were they cut, stabbed, what? Uh, no, sir. Just beat up. This is Officer Joe Charles. He came in the ambulance with Mom and Carol. They going to be all right? Well, I've told Mr. Toby all I know. If there's anything I can do, ask for me at the 21st precinct. Luck to you. Come on, Dad. We might as well go sit down. What did they tell you? Not much. What? They beat them both up. Who did? Why? I take it easy, Dad. I'm just as rattled as you are. The officer said that Carol wasn't making much sense. Two, maybe three men, they... She opened the door to let them in because she thought it was the delivery boy from the supermarket. Jesus, God. Are we gonna know something? You know we're here? The nurses know. I spoke to one of them. Somebody ought to come. There's a man over there. He's bleeding. And nobody comes. Nurse, we're waiting to find out what happened to my wife and daughter. Oh, a doctor will see you after he's made his examination. But we've been waiting a long time. It hasn't been that long, Dad. Just two or three minutes. Mr. Toby? Yes. Your wife is all right. We've sedated her and put her to bed. My name is Paul Kersey. How's my wife? 
I'm sorry. She died a few minutes ago, Mr. Kersey. Well, there we go. That's all tragedy wrapped up into one clip. We don't even have to really discuss it. We could totally move on. Yeah. But no, we're going to talk about it. Oh, God. (laughs) Damn it. I knew it. Yeah. All right. So as far as the brutality of the rape scenes go in these films, this is one of the least graphic. Yeah. Because it's not the one made by Canon Films. Yeah. (laughs) So there is that. But however, you do have to watch Jeff Goldblum mouth rape somebody. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. That. um... He's forever tainted by that. Yeah. You never get over it once you've seen it. It it makes uh, his character in the fly look like slightly less gross. The only thing that I kind of didn't understand was the whole spray painting guy that just has to do all this graffiti compulsively. Are these like cartoon characters to you or what? Do they just seem like they have to be overtly bad guys? Yeah, it seems like they just have to be, they wanted to three very over the top. So, I mean, yeah, over the top, but also destruction just for destruction's sake. You know, once you realize you're not getting anything, you know. Money-wise. Money-wise. You know, it's almost destruction for destruction's sake. Uh, Even though he was spray painting before, it's also maybe a a point of contention. You can say it's like he's marking like where he's been in life. You're like, see, I can even get into here and do that and a story he can tell other generates. And then he also spray paints the dresses right over the genitalia of both women. Yes. And they're all basically showing the women how they're in charge because they're destroying all of their fine things. Yeah. I have a feeling they would have beat the shit out of them and done the things that they did even if they got the money. Yeah. I don't think that they would have changed at all. Nope. I think they were just using that as an excuse. First to scare him to tell him where all the money is and then, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Do you think they're supposed to be drug addicts? Uh, I'm sure. Uh, Well, and maybe not all of them, but I'm sure. I think Spray Paint Guy is definitely a drug addict. Oh, I thought Jeff Goldblum's character was. Jeff Goldblum's definitely a drug addict, yeah. In real life and in the film? Yeah. (laughs) I thought we were talking about just real life. Coincidentally, he wasn't really acting. He just showed up on set. Yeah. And he did such a good job at everything, they didn't slow him down until he actually began assaulting people. He got a career on a death wish. (laughs) No, I think he was actually a theatrical actor before that. There's a couple of other people that pop up in this film where you're like, holy shit, I can't believe this guy and that gal is in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And Goldblum is kind of one of the ones that I think people forget. So, Mm -hmm. all right, we'll just move past it all. We won't talk about how they spray painted her ass and how disturbing that was. That was disturbing. And how awful it was to hear the crunching noises when they were kicking her, the mom in the face and yeah. stuff like that. Uh, the sound design for the 70s was really well done. Yes. This scene, the brutality definitely drives home the point. And your protagonist, I guess that's what Paul Kersey's supposed to be. He's, mm-hmm. I don't want to call him a hero because he's Kinda, not. He's not? No, he's <laughs> not a hero. But they try to make him out to be one, kind yeah. of. But the whole vigilanteism thing that he ends up doing, it is revenge in his case. Yeah. And you see it on his face whenever he finds out that his wife dies. Part of him went too. Oh, yeah, I think so. And he's had a very complicated life you can kind of tell and you just kind of get this feeling that he's the guy that's done everything right and did everything the way he was supposed to and we'll get more into that later on but you can just kind of tell because of the way he is and how he's mild-mannered and how he does have a feeling for other people because he does say that his heart does bleed for the underprivileged yeah all of that died yes when he was told that his wife passed away before he could even see her again after being beat and you know what i'm not even gonna say it died right then when he found out but it started the death cycle for that part of himself oh no it was gone no he tries, it's gone, and he tries to claw it back. He tries to remember who he was, but the more hopeless it seems like it, the, See, the justice will happen. I think it goes happen. through more other things.
things that it continuously kills it. I think he is still holding on to it, uh-huh. but not not as much. Like I said, it's fading. Now now part of it's injured because he's angry. And then the more and more as we go through this movie, the more and more then finally it does just die and he, See, he I, can't care for it anymore. I look at it as they amputate a part of him. Mm-hmm. It's gone. It's never coming back. The wound yeah. starts to heal over and he thinks he can live with the fact that that part of him that is his wife, mm-hmm. the, the extension of who he is, is gone and, and that yeah. life that he had and that happiness that he had. Yeah. But the problem is the scar tissue doesn't heal right and it keeps getting opened back up because he won't stay down the two weeks, stop lifting heavy things. Oh, yeah. That's that's where I'm at. So I, I don't possible. disagree with you. Yeah. This isn't the demarcation point where he couldn't be saved. Yeah. This is the part where all the hope in him dies right there. See, I don't think all the hope in him is dead, mm-hmm. but I think it it's lying, beaten, you know, cold on the ground. And instead of somebody getting a helping hand, he's just going to get more. Okay. So you're saying 60% or 75? I'm saying about 75%. 75%? of that is done. And then let's where... meet in the middle and say it's 82. Okay. Good. Agreed. <laughs> Congrats. 82% right. done for his help. Let's move on. All right. Excellent. <laughs> let's go. All right. So that it fades at the end of the clip into the funeral for the mother. And we see Paul's daughter is deeply traumatized and in a near catatonic state. Well, Either that or they've got her heavily sedated. I mean, yes, of course, yeah. but this is the first reveal where we actually see her because they talk about in the hospital where she's been sedated and then she's sleeping and they talk about how she's fine because she doesn't have any visible signs of being beaten, but yeah. obviously something else has happened to her and the doctors weren't accounting for that. Well, and also uh, everyone sounds so uncaring. She did also, let, let's say this, let's say they never assaulted her at all. Like they just had her sit down in a chair. She Even watched then, them beat her she, mother yeah, to death. They, she had to watch her mother be beaten to death. So, I mean, yeah, you're traumatized. And then more than that, she was sexually assaulted. So, you know, doctors should really get their heads out of their asses. Why is it every, like, until, like, recently, every movie portrays, like, 80s, like, in the 80s, the 70s, doctors, it's the most, like, no bedside manner, fuck patients anyway. They, they fucking annoy us, and they don't know, they don't even know why they're doctors in the first place. That's because I say that a bulk of the doctors in probably New York City in particular, yeah. you know, that have to do with, that way. with trauma and everything yeah. like that, they're probably just tired of humans, too. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Think about that. Think about how freaking gone they are. It would be like it being in a war zone, you know, yeah. with all the crime and everything that was happening in the time. So I wouldn't be surprised that they're just numb to it, too. I guess. Yeah, and they just don't know how to deal with it, and that's where they lose their bedside manner. Yeah. But you're right. It's a trope. And not even just bedside manner, but... It's a trope. The uncaring police, the yeah. uncaring yeah. Uh, doctors, the uncaring social worker, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. There's all of that that makes these kind of movies where a man has to take it into his own hands and the yeah. whole toxic masculinity thing has to take yeah, over. No one cares but me. <laughs> it's just me and my gun, Pally, and we're going to solve all these problems right hey, here. Hey, Pally, nominate my gun time. for the mayorship of New York City. At the end of the funeral, Paul announces he is going back to his apartment to his son-in-law and tries to communicate his feelings to his daughter and fails miserably at this. And I like where the son-in-law was like, are you sure you want to go back to the apartment? I mean, we got plenty of room, blah, blah, blah. I gotta go back sometime. Listen, all these feelings are not gonna do me any good unless I get back to that house and paint over everything. I have to sit there and stew in my loneliness and hatred for humankind. Otherwise, I won't have a wish for death. And maybe won't have a two or a three. Trying to build a franchise, pally. (laughs) At my age, having a number two is kind of hard to do to begin with. (laughs) By the way, did you have my Imodium at your place? I needed a mine. I really gotta get some Metamucil up in here. (laughs) Doctor says the fiber's low. All right, so Paul heads to the police station, or we actually see him heading into the police station. 
station and when they cut away from this and then we see the victims of crime are all around him there's a guy missing a dog who apparently is like his livelihood for some artistic thing where the dog paints for him yeah did you hear that yeah that was um, odd yeah <laughs> it sounds like modern art which is a load of shit yeah <laughs> it sounds like something you would like uh, see like on the news today though like hey they'd be, they'd be selling it in a coffee shop that's run by gentrifying freaking hipsters yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> there's also actually a legitimate world another lady had been mugged they took her purse they had like uh, her credit cards all of her cash her rent yeah. money and everything and she's just looking for someone to help her and all the police are just kind of looking past her and walking away Ugh. this is all framed by whenever he meets up with the one patrolman who he recognized who rode along with his daughter and wife in the ambulance and then he is taken by this patrolman to the lead detective and that leads to our next clip lieutenant this is mr paul kearse case number 884 his wife and daughter were assaulted yeah, i'd know you mr kersey yeah i'm going on duty now mr kersey so i'll leave you thanks officer. right Not this at all. way mr kersey you have a seat mr kersey have you found out anything yet well the supermarket security officer and one of the checkers remembers these three characters leaving right after mrs kersey and your daughter i think they could have gotten the apartment number off the address on the grocery bags but they haven't been able to pick the faces out of my book how is your daughter mr kersey she's under doctor's sedation right now but today i had the funeral for my wife up in connecticut and she was able to make that your daughter didn't give us much information mr kersey we wish we could persuade her to take a look at the mug books did she refuse her husband asked us to wait for a few days in fact the sooner she looks at the mug books the better chance she has of recalling one or two of her faces hello talk to my son-in-law see what can be done i'd appreciate that mr kersey Sir, any chance of catching these men there's a chance sure just a chance i'd be less than honest if i gave you more hope mr kersey in the city that's the way it is I thought you were asleep. Are you getting the most out of life? Are you satisfied, fulfilled, happy? Our bank has helped many to a better future. Morning, Mr. Kersey. Morning. Give me uh, $20 in quarters, please. Morning, Paul. Morning. Paul, you're tough. You know, you really are. I told Ives you'd come in this morning. I said, Paul is not the kind of man to leave the pieces of his life lying around. He'll just start picking them up. Just a matter of keeping busy, Sam. Paul, welcome back. See you for lunch, Paul? Yeah, sure. Well, I'm going to give you vacation. From New York, that is. Jane Chill Development of Tucson, Arizona. I want you to take it over. Redesign it if necessary, whatever you have to do. All right? That's all right. But can I give you an answer in about a week? I don't want to leave New York just now because of count. Fine. When you're ready, let me know. Beautiful place, Tucson. They can breathe out there. She's sleeping too much. It's not normal. I've got a couple of TV dinners in the oven. Come on, just be a couple of minutes. Jack, this drink's enough for me. I've never seen you drink without eating. No, I'm not hungry. I think maybe uh, you ought to take care of and see another doctor. I, uh, I did today. Uh, a psychiatrist. He uh, seems to feel it might help her if I took her away to another environment. Uh, out of New York, on the shore, someplace. Sounds like a good idea. I'll go along with you. Uh, no, Dad. He, he seemed to feel that it might be better if she didn't have any association with anyone that might remind her of that day. How the hell do I remind her of that day? Well, you know how it is, Dad. I mean, it happened in your apartment. You're living there. You remind her of Mom. Dad, don't make it tough for me. Okay, I'll make it easy for you. I have asked me to go to Tucson, Arizona on a job. How long will you be gone? I don't know, until I look the job over. But you call me every other day. Let me know how Carol is. Sure I will, Dad. You know, that'll be good for you. I hear Tucson's a really beautiful place. That's what everybody says. How are you today, sir? Son of a bitch. Turn around, son of a bitch. Motherfucker. I said turn around. Hand me the money.
Yeah, with a sock full of quarters, no less, Kersey tries out his basically skills at vigilanteism and takes out a mugger, knocks him on his ass. I just want to point out that when you make a blackjack, you, you want more than one pair of socks yeah, to make it nice and rip. thick. So, yeah, so it doesn't rip. Yeah. And then whenever you do the quarters, you want to form a nice ball. You don't want to just throw the two rolls of quarters yeah. in there. <laughs> but anyway, it doesn't matter. A blackjack and a pinch. If you got some quarters, you got some batteries, you got some heavy objects, throw them in a couple pairs of socks, yep. wrap them up into a pillowcase, a sack full of doorknobs, yeah. whatever you need. That, that makes a good melee weapon to beat people with. I love this part where he clobbers the mugger, lays him out, looks at what he does, and then darts off. I've yep. never seen Charles Bronson run like this. Yeah, he run fast. He runs like Napoleon Dynamite when he's like done dancing and just darts off. <laughs> oh my God, he does. It's so awkward and uncomfortable because you're just not used to seeing Charles Bronson yeah, run from that. anything. No, he saunters. What do you mean I'm going to run away? I've never done that before, pal. <laughs> what is run? Is that is it ruin? Is, I, it, is it un? Is the R silent, pally? I've pursued things before very quickly. Is that what running is like? No. Oh, so all I gotta do is pretend like I'm running towards something, and that's what running away is like? Oh, you mean uh, what the men do when they see me in all my movies? They run from me. <laughs> he wants me to do that. I'm not sure that works for this character. <laughs> No dice. <laughs> you can just see that conversation between him and Michael Winter. <laughs> yeah. All right, so he ends up heading home whenever he darts off, and then he begins drinking heavily to try and calm his jangled nerves. You can see him physically shaking. The adrenaline kind of takes over, and then you see where he adapts that adrenaline high. Yeah, and this is another part where now now we're about 95% of Hope Dead. Oh, see, I would disagree. I think we are 100% Hope Dead when he leaves the police station, and that's why he gets the quarters. Yep. I still think he has a little bit, but now, okay, you know what? I'm going to agree. Now he's 100%. Yeah. Because I think you're right. He was 98% when he left the police station. And then when he got the thrill, like, you know, that first high off of beating uh, Perp up, gone. Hope gone. Because now there's a new high out there. Well, and it also is one of those things where a lot of people will use drinking. They'll use drugs. Yeah. They'll use whatever else to kind of replace those feelings that the sadness leaves behind, that emptiness yep. of loss. We've seen it before when people are grieving. Mm -hmm. It just so happens that his particular drug of choice is adrenaline and trying to get himself killed by going out and attacking muggers yes. in revenge. Yeah. And when he finds that that replaces those emptiness and that that feeling and that loss, yep. it ends up making him feel better. It gets him to where he can live with his life because he has to go out and keeps doing this, but he keeps escalating. That's one of the things this film does really well is you see a constant level of escalation where he has to keep trying to get more and more dangerous situations, more and more muggers. Yeah. And he can't get that same thrill. And it's a true 100% addiction to what he's doing. Mm -hmm. So that adrenaline fix is uh, once again high. And then that whole vigilante thing starts kicking in and he starts swinging around the quarters. Did you see him attack the houseplant with it first? Yeah. And then he swings it over his head all triumphant. And then he bashes it on the chair, which breaks the sock, proving that I was right all along. You, you need, were right. You need more than one pair of socks. Come on, man. Preferably the old school style, like thigh high socks that you used to have to wear for basketball in yes, the 70s. Because those are tough, man. Nice and thick, mm -hmm. preferably made out of wool. They'll take a couple more bashes before they're going to break. Yeah. And you want to do at least a, a pair, one inside the other. Yeah. <laughs> but make sure they're black. <laughs> it helps if they're black. Otherwise, yeah. it wouldn't really be a blackjack. <laughs> exactly. And if you make them white, then you do that for your movie so that you can have blood come pouring out of it. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they missed an opportunity to put a sponge inside of the fake blackjack to have blood fly out Just when he hits them. Yeah. <laughs> 
But didn't he hit him like he didn't hit well, he hit him in the neck, didn't he? No, he hit him across the jaw. Was it across the jaw? Yeah. Okay. It was like the cross the jaw and the neck, and he hit him right across That's the right face and, and took him right down. Yeah. And so the quarters go everywhere whenever the sock breaks, and then he still kind of like bakes wings the empty stock a little bit after that. Yeah. He's just all worked up and ready he's to go. He's all worked up, man. And they cut away from this to Paul arrives at the Tucson airport, and that leads to our info dump lot clip. Paul Kersey. Yeah. Ames Jainshaw. How do you do, Mr. Jainshaw? Ames. I'll call you Paul. Come on, let's get you back. Well, you know who I was. Yeah, you look like in New York. That is good. I want you to see this country before you looked at the drawings back at the office. Give you a better idea. I don't want to change these hills. Don't want to bulldoze them flat. You waste a lot of building space. <laughs> Wasting space. Now, those are some words that you big developers have got to change for something else. Such as? Well, space for life, like old Judd up there, space for people, horses, cows. I got funny ideas about building things. Howdy, folks. Welcome to Old Tucson, the famous movie location and studio. In just a few moments, we'll be <sighs> Well, let's wet our whistle before I trot you back to the motel. Glad to be here, maybe. Positions on the porches and boardwalks of the Red Dog Cafe, the territorial gunsmith shop. What's happening here? Oh, it's a phony western town. They shoot movies here sometimes, but uh, less time it's for the tourists. But this is where the actual performance will take place. Thank you for your attention. This fellow's pretty good. You want to watch this? Where the Wild West lives again. Where's the marshal? He's in the bank. I spotted him through the windows. I came by. What do you got in mind to do then? Well, why don't you steal my horse? All right, that's a good trick. We'll use it. You spot yourself on the porch while I draw the marshal out into the open. Marshal? Hey, marshal! What's the matter, fella? Somebody stole my horse. I told you to get out of town by sunset. You missing a bay mare that was tied to the hitching rail? Saw a fella come and take her just a spell ago. Well, what did he look like? Well, he was about this tall and he had this... Get him, Frank! Let's put him inside here and get to the bank and make that withdrawal. All right, boys, the fun's over. Fly your guns and step out with your hands up. You'd better listen, Marshal. I've got three sticks of dynamite here. Don't be a fool. The outlaw life seemed a shortcut to easy money, which could buy liquor, women, and a turn at the gambling table. But there were honest men with dreams who would fight to protect them. Let's get that beer. And who were to plant the roots that would grow into a nation. Blue Ridge won't buy it. I don't build a thing that's going to be a slum in 20 years. And I won't doze those hills. What I build conforms to the land. You can't hear the toilets flush next door. You want our help, you'll have to let me work on it. Well, up to a point, I want your help. Up to a point, I'll give it. When do I get a look, Steve? In a couple days. The guard said you were here after midnight last night. Yeah, that's the way I work. Somebody once said, I forget who, that he never looked back because something might be gaining on him. What's gaining on you, Paul? $20 million investment. What else? Well, I was going to ask you to have dinner with me at the club, but I don't think you'd be very good company. No, I don't think I would. Might amuse you, though. Being from New York, maybe you've never seen a club like this. It's a gun club. We shoot guns. It's a goddamn much hoopla from the gun control people. Half the nation's scared to even hold a gun. You know, like it was a snake who was going to bite you or something. Hell, a gun a gun is just a tool, like a hammer or an axe. Wasn't long ago, you used to put food on the table. Keep foxes out of the chicken coop, rustlers off the range, bandits out of the bank. Paul, how long since you held a pistol in your hand? Long time. 
Which war was yours, Korea? Yeah. See much action? A little. Very infantry? I was a CO in a medical unit. Commanding officer, huh? Conscientious objective. <laughs> oh, Christ. What a guest to bring to a gun club. <laughs> You're probably one of them knee-jerk liberals thinks us gun boys will shoot our guns because it's a, an extension of our penises. Never thought about it that way. It could be true. Or maybe it is. But this is gun country. Can't even own a handgun in New York City. Out here, I hardly know a man that doesn't own one. And I'll tell you something. Unlike your city, we can walk our streets and through our parks at night and feel safe. Muggers operating out here, they're just plain get their asses blown up. Yeah, slip these on. All right. It's a percussion pistol. 1842. Ever handle one of those before? You know how to fire it? Watch the cake. Why are you going to think the charm's going to hit the ceiling? Damn! Paul, you hit that center! Mind if I try this leg Colt? No. Well, you a peculiar conscientious objector. These notches for real? Yeah. Belong to a gunfighter named Candy Dan, 1890. I do know something about guns, Ames. I grew up with them. All kinds of guns. You see, my father was a hunter. I guess out here you'd call him a gunman. My mother was the other side of the coin. When my father was killed in a hunting accident, some fool mistook him for a deer, you see. My mother won the toss. I never touched a gun since. I love my father. There are your hills. Every house has a part of one for a backyard, for kids, dogs, horses. 400 houses, a hundred more than you allowed for. And you still have 12 hills. I'm catching the 1040 back to New York. What do I tell them? You tell them I'll buy it if they will. You're checking this bag through, aren't you? Yeah. Good. Let me slip a little going away present in there for you. Thank you. Paul, I, I can't thank you enough for what you did for me. I want you to know if you ever get tired of living in that toilet, you're welcome here. Welcome home, Dad. Hi, Jack. <laughs> I halfway expected to see Carol. Come on, let's go get your bags. What is it? She's in the hospital. When I last spoke to you on the phone, you said she was feeling better after coming back from the shore. Well, I didn't see any need to get you all disturbed on a long-distance call. Come on, Dad. Don't do a number on Don't do a number on me. Look, there was nothing you could do. I haven't even let me see her for two days. They tried insulin shock yesterday. She's not responding. You want the technical jargon? I can reel off yards of it. Catatonia, dementia praecox, passive schizoid paranoia. It all boils down to the fact that she's had an experience that she can't face, and she's running away from it inside herself. You didn't handle it right, Jack. Oh, Christ, Dad. I'll get other doctors. With these goddamn doctors you have. They're good doctors. And <laughs> she's almost a goddamn vegetable. Now that you're a grown man, how do you look at Jack versus whenever you saw this movie for the first time as a kid? Uh, about the same, believe it or not. I thought he, uh, I thought he was doing the best with what he had. Really? He obviously is kid. Because when he's talking to Kersey at one point, you hear a baby crying background. I thought that was the apartment next door. Oh, was it? Yeah, I don't think they have kids. They don't have kids? Oh, no. well, then he's a bitch. <laughs> Having kids is different because you're trying to hold things together because you have a kid. Yeah. You know, and, and you have another life that you have tried to attend to. And I thought he always, and I always thought he had a kid. Now, if that, that wasn't, he doesn't have a kid, then he's just being a bitch. I think he has a little bit of a defeatist attitude, but I think he's supposed to represent, quote unquote, the liberal way of going about it. Oh, yeah. The white flight, the cut and run, the weakness. I mean, they're purposely portraying him as weak, as less than a man, and they're setting up this whole toxic masculine hero that yeah. is going to become Paul Kersey. Well, that's why I'm saying. If, if you had a kid that I get that kind of yeah. attitude that he has, it's not defeatist, It trying to find out what will work best for the family you have, because you can't just think of yourself at that point. Yeah, you have 
child well that you have to rate at some point. I think it's admirable that he doesn't want to just cut and run and let her be. Yeah. Like he does try to stand by her and he does try to do these things. But he has all these doctors trying to help and all that. But I think it was a very wrong decision to not tell the dad anything was wrong while he's away. Yeah. That whole, I don't want to worry you on the long distance phone call and all that kind of stuff. Everybody in the film is trying to ignore the thing that happened. They're not dealing with it. They're working their way around it. Obviously, the actual victims of the crime, one is no longer with everybody else because she died from her wounds. And then the other person is running from what happened in her own mind and just basically becoming catatonic and not dealing with it. And then as a husband, he doesn't want to deal with what's happened to his wife. So he's kind of hiding it and kind of like pretending like it's not happening. And it's only whenever Paul Kersey comes around that he has to really deal with it. Yeah. I think he was already resigned to just let's put her in an asylum and then I'll forget about her is what it feels like he wants to do kind of. But I think he's too weak to just straight out say, I can't handle this anymore. I'm going to let somebody else deal with it. And I think he's kind of coming up with excuses. And obviously Paul being the father of the girl and having her actually be assaulted and this, all all these things happen to her in his home. His reaction is, well, we're going to find another way. We're going to do this. We're going to, I'll find better doctors. I can do this because obviously you're not handling it right. Yeah. So he goes away to Arizona and he has this whole entire old West eye for an eye. Yeah. Gunman strong, defend yourself, stand your ground. A good guy with a gun can take care of this or Mm -hmm. would have been their mentality. Just 150 cc's injected in him right when he needs it of this toxic masculine idea of how life should be. And what's really weird is there's so much that that developer says that has nothing to do with guns and self-defense that I can really get behind. Oh, yeah. Like he wants to build homes that last. He wants to build quality projects. He doesn't want to destroy the the, the landscape of the like this unique landscape they have do yeah. it he appreciates the landscape that they have he appreciates giving value to the people for the that are going to buy the homes and the project that he's building here for and also this the animals yeah and he wants to be able to have to where they can have a yard for the, the whatever animals and all of that or in that and also room well. for the guy who's on the horse up on the hill yeah so that he can also have his yeah. you know graze as well so he has like a very rural setting that's still very much a housing development mm-hmm. type area for all of various uh, houses that come in yeah and it's some point i kind of get what he's trying to say about the gun control thing but in the 70s was it really that bad so i don't think it was really that bad until reagan got shot that the gun control really went crazy no but i mean i'm sure there were still liberals i mean who have problems you know obviously with guns all the time so <laughs> uh you know now neither one of us were alive or well we maybe were alive but not and i think this was released in like 70 something so, so I it mean, was before we were born yeah so i mean we don't know what the landscape was like back then and if it was as that's never stopped us from assuming that yeah we know. well i'm just gonna assume it's always been the same all the time <laughs> from the time the winchester repeating rifle came out and people died very quickly and yes. easily to the point where it just keeps getting worse with automatic weapons uh-huh. yeah and semi-automatic and all of that yeah i don't disagree that's probably the case okay so upon his return kersey finds that his daughter is now completely catatonic and unresponsive as they even mentioned in the clip they tried insulin shock to bring her out of it and there was no response yeah. No response at all. So she is, uh, she has gone bye-bye, Egon. Well, I mean, considering what's happened to her, it's probably yeah. better that she's not even in reality anymore. Well, I mean, can't say that because people can recover, but it's bad that that's happening to her, but it's understandable about why she's like that. I think she could come back from it. I just don't think she's ready to deal with it yet, and they need no. to 
to get her into an environment where she can. Yeah. He does end up hugging his daughter in the hospital and finding her to be like she's basically in a coma. He picks her up and hugs her and she's completely unresponsive, doesn't even move. Yeah. But she does hold herself up until he lays her back down after he hugs her. I know. So there's a little bit of something there, but not, you know, the, the actual like reasoning part of her or the, anything that you could communicate with is hiding in her own mind. Yeah. Paul and Jack discuss the options of how to best treat her and what the possibility of committal would mean because essentially his insurance money is going to run out and they can't keep her in the hospital like they are right now. Yeah. The insurance would cover a full committal, but Jack is concerned about, well, can we get that reverse? Can we get her better and then get her out? You know, like I, you know, money is not necessarily the object here. I'm concerned more about yeah. what's going to happen with her. Is she going to get put away or mm-hmm. will we be able to get her back out? Will she actually get better or is this just our way of getting her out of our hands and not have a deal with it is what basically I think he was kind of getting at there. Well, once again, that goes to a mental health issue. It's, oh my God, there's such a stigma with putting somebody in a mental health facility because, oh, it makes it seem like we're washing our hands of it. Well, but you are not professional hands that should be handling this situation at all. I don't think anyone is more qualified to deal with mental illness than me. (laughs) Well, maybe, no, we're just going to pass on that. We're just going to pass on that, pal. All right, uh, so at some point during that conversation, the son-in-law, Jack, ends up stating something along the lines of that Mrs. Kersey and his own wife are simply just statistics, and there is nothing that either of the two of them, Mr. Kersey and he himself, Jack, can do about what's happening but cut and run and just leave the city. There's a couple of times where he has this real defeatist attitude. Yeah. And it's not until that point where he's basically like, there's no hope, there's nothing that we can do, to where you see that they had to have Jack be diametrically opposed to what Kersey's doing, where Kersey is like hyperactive of, I will make sure this never happens again, Pally. This will never happen to another family, Pally. Where Jack is like, oh, we can't do anything. The victims of crime are just going to keep being victimized. Oh, God, Dad, you can't do that. Oh, oh. I'm a little snowflake. It's <laughs> basically what they basically make Let's, him out to be. I have an idea, Dad. Instead of uh, violence, let's just force everyone out by making coffee shops. <laughs> they have expensive coffee and micro-brews. <laughs> Well, that's actually what ends up happening. <laughs> and somebody like Jack probably is doing that and yeah. targeting specific neighborhoods to do that. Yeah. I doubt that that would make a very interesting film to watch. It would not make an interesting <laughs> film to watch. It would make a truthful film to watch, but not an interesting one. It would be a mumblecore film that would be like really big in the art house crowd. Yeah, right. <laughs> Gentrification. Watching it in a gentrified coffee shop. Slash theater. Yeah. Slash pop-up bar. Yeah. Slash pop-up discotheque. Yep. Slash, slash my wrist because I want to die. They cut away from this to Paul comes home and goes through his mail to find the photos from his trip to Hawaii with his wife. They've been developed. Man, they just driving home the point of what he's lost and his loneliness. And even like that knowing little smirk whenever he starts going through the uh, photographs of her in the bathing suit coming out of the water. And then the look that comes over his face whenever he starts frowning and Mm -hmm. like you get the sadness on him. It's just like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like Bronson Bronson has chops when he needs to. Bronson can act his ass off when he needs to. It's just that by this time in his career and he starts getting the Death Wish roles, he's pretty much done. He doesn't want to deal with this stuff. It's paycheck fees. Yeah, man, come on. (laughs) Which is why when people are like, why Bruce Willis? I'm like, because that's kind of perfect if you think about it. Yeah, I mean, he's he's looking for 
the gravy train now. An actor who had the chops and who is now just taking the parts for the money. Yep. <laughs> that's totally what fucking Bronson was in these movies. Pretty the much. Series. All right, so he ends up finding the presents that were left for him by the developer, which turns out to be an old Western-style handgun. They're really driving home the point that he's going to be the marshal of this town. Yeah. And that vigilante, you know, frontier justice is the way to go. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but he's got the handgun, and it looks like there's some bullets there as well, and they cut away from this to Paul out on the town looking to find someone to trap and kill. He's out hunting, pure yes, and he simple. Is. He starts wandering through the park, which is probably by his house, and he is being tracked by someone on the path just directly above him. The guy comes up behind him and then states that, you know, you got any money, turn around, you bastard, or something like that, you son of a bitch. And then Paul Kersey turns around with the gun and then basically just shoots him right in the fucking gut, right off the bat. Doesn't even give the guy any warning or anything like that. Nope. He doesn't do a draw. He's had the gun on him the entire time. Yeah, he just turned coat. around. He, his arm was not in the armhole of his coat, but it didn't look like it's not. So Yeah, he's doing the old-fashioned gun pocket thing. Yep. <laughs> and he ends up blowing the guy away. He shoots him right in the gut. The guy falls over and is pretty much dead, although he's kind of moving around. And then he immediately, Napoleon Dynamite runs back yes. to his house. He gets ill. He literally throws up right after this happens because of what he has just done. Yep. But then they cut away from this to our next clip. Good morning, Inspector. Good morning. What do we got? We got a corpse down here, one bullet hole in his chest. The fellow over there was jogging through the park at daybreak, found him on the path here. You got a make on the dead man? Yeah, his name is Thomas Leroy Marston. He had a parole card. We got a radio check on that. He served 42 months, a five-year hitch for grand larceny. He's a drug addict. He's probably popping smack again. This punctures both arms. We found this on the grass next to him. Thing hasn't been fired. Deceased had a gun clip on his belt. Figured it must be his. What would you say if I suggested that he tried a heist? He got shot for his trouble. Maybe two guys trying to heist each other. No, no, this man wasn't robbed. Still has money in his wallet. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. Hi, Paul. Morning. Well, we've marked it out as you've indicated. It's beautiful. What's our profit? Uh, not quite three million, but I believe that our investment can be amortized in two years. And it is a showplace operation. Look at all that wasted space. J.J. loves those hills. Besides, it's a take it or leave it proposition. Well, it's too pretty to leave. Okay, I'll run it for the board. May need your help, Paul. Okay. Oh, Tucson agreed with you. You look well. I feel uh, good. I feel uh, good. Feel good about it. <laughs> I'm a mass murderer, and I feel good. <laughs> <laughs> well, not mass yet. <laughs> he's a burgeoning mass murderer. Mur yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's getting there. During that clip, we actually see Paul locking up his gun in his office. This is a motif where we continue where he's storing the gun in his office in like a little lockbox area. Mm -hmm. And then he continues to chat with his co-workers. This begins a little vigilante. Andy Manchas where Kersey's out on the hunt trying to draw out some thugs and murdering them back and forth in cold blood. We then see some of the detectives playing pickup and finding out who it is that actually killed the latest batch of thugs. They kind of have like this little mini montage thing where he's doing like a couple in a row. Yeah. They cut away from that to Paul commits his daughter to an asylum in an attempt to heal her and they cut from that to Paul and his son-in-law have a conversation about life and this once again proves the the whole diametric leading heart liberal versus the new hardcore right wing gun toting death wishing Paul Kersey. Yes. In our next clip. You know, if we had the brains to live here in the country, we wouldn't be here for the reason we are today. Going into the city to work, 
Mom and Carol be safe at home, waiting for us to come back? Nothing to do but cut and run, huh? Uh, what else? What about the old American social custom of self-defense? If the police don't defend us, maybe we ought to do it ourselves. We're not pioneers anymore, Dad. What are we, Jack? What do you mean? I mean, if we're not pioneers, what have we become? What do you call people who, when they're faced with a condition of fear, do nothing about it? They just run and hide. Civilized? No. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to start this investigation somewhere, so let's start here. Motive. Revenge. I want the records checked. Go back, say, uh, three months. Limited to homicide. We could be looking for a man who's had a member or members of his family killed by muggers. Now, he shoots that pistol pretty good, right? Okay, combat veteran. So put Vietnam vets at the top of the list because they're youngest and toughest. Then you can work your way through Korea and World War II. Oh my God. Who said that? Hmm? Well, whoever said it, you're right on the button. By God and Jesus Christ, it's impossible. But until we find a shortcut, we'll at least keep busy. So when the media demands to know what we are doing to apprehend the vigilante, we'll tell them we have definite clues. Okay, we won't tell them we have about a thousand definite clues. Oh, the thick detective in this. Man. I know. I love that guy. <laughs> Everybody used this one particular pattern of a detective from here on out. Yeah. I mean, even like when he first comes on the scene, what's the first words out of his mouth? What do we got here? What do we got? Every fucking detective in every fucking movie ever made walks into a crime scene and goes, what, what do, do we, we got, got here? <laughs> <laughs> Just like every coroner is usually going to be eating something and then eventually sets it on top of the body. Yes. To go do time. something. Let, yeah. let me show you. <laughs> Hold on. Let me put down my pastrami. Me and Rye <laughs> on top of this corpse. Yeah, <laughs> hold that for me, buddy. And he, and he always pats it. They pat it and keep that cold for me. Yeah, yeah. Why are you being such a stiff? Just hold my sandwich. Ah! They cut away from this to ruffians on the subway making trouble. Once again, being the over-the-top bad guys, so you don't feel bad for what's about to happen. Yep. And prepping to rob Paul, who has set up a bait trap by sitting there with his groceries and reading a newspaper. He's really trying to sucker people in at this point. Oh, pretty much? Yeah. He ends up suckering these two in, and the car empties out by them being all intimidating and basically trying to scare them off. They pull a knife on Paul, who shoots the one dead right through the newspaper, and gets out on the next stop to try and hightail it before the police can find him. And that leads to our next clip. Hey! We're here in Police Commissioner Dreyer's office waiting for a press conference scheduled by Commissioner Dreyer. Last night, there was another double killing, which appears to be the work of the person New York news media have dubbed the vigilante. This will be the first official statement from Commissioner Dreyer on the vigilante killing. I will see the commissioner now as he walks past the press conference. With him is Inspector Frank Ochoa, who is in charge of the police investigation. Who has been placed in command of a police detail assigned to what we've all been calling the vigilante murders. Now, it has been confirmed by our ballistics laboratory that the same gun, a 32 pistol, which was used in the previous three homicides, was used last night in a shooting aboard a subway train. Now, I know that this person has captured the imagination of many people in our city, and I want to say to our citizens, 
Murder is no answer to crime in a city. Crime is a police responsibility. And if this person is listening to my voice, I urge him in the name of law and order to desist from this one-man crusade and turn himself into the police. He'll be given fair treatment. No, how do you like it? That's our police commissioner, you know. That's Ryder, the king of cliches. Delonte's identification. No comment at this time. Do you think this man's crazy? Well, he's got a wire down all right, but uh, I don't believe we're dealing with a raving maniac. Commissioner, it's rumored that the rate of street muggings has dropped since the vigilante became headline news. Is that true? Not true. If it were true, would you announce it, sir? Or are you afraid that would stimulate imitators of the vigilante? Well, I don't want to get into these hypothetical questions. Mm. I bet muggings are down there, afraid to tell us. There's only one way to find out. Take a walk on Columbus Avenue tonight. Thanks a lot, Paul. I think I'll wait for the official report. History successful, regardless of the... Yes! Ah, you want to confess to the vigilante killings? All right. I'll put you through to Rosenberg. He's in charge of confessions today, the 23rd. Put him through. We couldn't get any prints off the vigilante's grocers. Wasn't there a sales slip? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm? Some of this code must identify the particular store. Find out where it is. When we get the records, check on families that have had somebody killed by muggers. Let's put them through the computer and see if any of them live near the store. People are inclined to buy groceries in their own neighborhoods. That's some mighty fine police work there, Lou. Yeah, way to go, Lou. <laughs> Actual good police work. Yeah. We have yeah, a receipt to the groceries. People tend to shop in the neighborhood near in their neighborhood. He, this guy's a good cop. Well, he's solid at detecting, yes. He's a good detective. <laughs> he's good at finding stuff and figuring out crime. We see later on that there really aren't very many good people in no. New York at all. No, not at all. <laughs> There's just various political sway. Uh-huh. Pretty much. <laughs> and everybody leveraging for control. <laughs> After this, we see that Paul Kersey is in total upbeat spirits that when his son-in-law visits, they clash as Paul is refusing to feel anything but the adrenaline rush Wait. of killing. He paints his ap- apartment. Uh, Bright, yellowishy, orange. Well, it looks like uh, New Mexico colors. That, those yeah. are colors you would see in a New Mexico place. So Adobe. It looks kind of yeah. like an Adobe yeah. hat or whatever. Yeah. yeah. He's become very enamored of the Wild West way of life. Um, and I think his kind of stay out there and finding the work was kind of what he needed, but at the same time, also the exact opposite of what should have happened for yeah. him. Because <laughs> well, he also kind of ran away from what was going on, you know, for his daughter's sake, as far as he was concerned. And yeah. then that whole frontier justice thing really got its hooks into him. And it was his way of escaping, dealing with his emotions that have come up from losing his wife and having his daughter be traumatized. Yep. Because now there's a way I can do something about this with my spurs. Yes. <laughs> I was in Once Upon a Time, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> they cut away from this to Paul Bates further muggers in a downtown diner by flashing a big wad of cash and a lot of plastic in his wallet. He could have just shouted, I'm super rich. I'm going to go for a walk. And through all this, he's just been killing guys left and right. Yeah. We, there was a montage of, of some murder and Basically, there's just a few shots here and there. Yeah. And it's basically where it goes from a montage of him doing it for about a week to where they've taken notice that it's all been the same 32. Yeah. And now there are people that he's been blowing away left and right. And the montage was right before the press conference by yeah. the cop. And we actually do see clip. where it's once a night. Yeah. Basically is the next couple of frames of the movie where it's not a montage of it. You actually are following him that entire night. Yeah. And so he's at that diner. He flashes that wad of cash. And then this ends up drawing in two guys that are looking for the chance of easy money money and he starts heading into the subway after flashing that wallet. They take the bait and try to flank
prank him by running ahead on the street and then walking down the stairs, forcing him to walk towards them. One of the guys ends up asking him for a match, and then all of a sudden they both pull switchblades on him. This time, he is knifed by one of them as they were too close. They get him right in the arm before he can actually turn and shoot them. Yep. But he gets the one guy dead to rights, and that guy's done with one shot. The guy stabs him, and then he turns and shoots him. Yeah. Then that guy starts darting off, and then Kersey, I think, shoots him one more time as he's running away. Yeah. And then the guy still continues to run, and then Kersey decides to run away as well. This is the first time an attacker actually makes it out kind of alive. Yep. And, and also the first time Kersey takes some damage. Yeah, he actually ends up getting stabbed this time. So the stakes are getting real, and I think that that possible danger is basically driving this addiction even further. Like, the fact that he actually got hurt this time, but he still took out two guys with a gun, Yeah, I think has really kind of gotten under his skin and really likes it even more. It's like he's punishing himself for not being there the first time almost. Yeah. Like, he feels like he deserves the pain of being well, hurt, that, too. that, and also I think it's just all part of more of the rush, you know? Yeah. Why people like to fight. Yeah. <laughs> they start to like the pain. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like uh, Philo Beto says in Any Which Way You Can. <laughs> what does he say? I gotta stop doing this. I think I'm starting to like it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, what's that? The pain. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Kersey ends up taking off as well, and a cop starts running after him, and Kersey makes it very nonchalantly onto a train and ends up getting away. And they cut away from that to Paul treats the knife wound on his back and upper arm with a little OTC peroxide. Not a good idea. No. It specifically says on that bottle, not for deep puncture wound. No. <laughs> Stab wounds are included in that. That must have hurt, Pally. Hey, listen up, punk. If you're going to be getting puncture wounds you have to treat, you want to get some betadine. That's what they use in the uh, hospitals there. Yeah. May turn your skin kind of orange and yellow, but that's exactly what you need for deep puncture wound cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I know this stuff. Nah. <laughs> I'm sick. Because you're fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> and the thug who lived after the two shots is in surgery and they're attempting to save his life. They remove both of the bullets and the cops are closing in on tracing said bullets because each single one has been from a 32 and they're getting ready to be able to prove with ballistics that it's been the same gun every time. So the net is getting slowly tighter around Kersey. They know sort of the neighborhood where he's going to be in. They know the gun that he's using. That's all they need. And that leads to our next clip. Who rode the ambulance with him? I did. Well, was he talking? He said he cut whoever it was that shot him. Exact words. I cut that motherfucker. I hit him. Can't save him. Too much internal bleeding. One slug chewed up the liver. Here. 32s. City tonight, the mysterious vigilante is in the news again. A little more than two hours ago, in an 8th Avenue subway underpass, two men were shot. One died on the spot. The other managed to reach the street before he collapsed. He died shortly afterward in the hospital. The two men have been identified as Joseph Roscoe Adams and George Reach. Both had long criminal records. The vigilante himself may have been wounded. The actions of the vigilante, as lawless as they may be, seem to be giving others new attitudes toward crime in the streets. Instead of helplessly allowing themselves to be mugged and robbed, a few are fighting back. I have with me Mrs. Alma Lee Brown, who today successfully defended herself against two muggers with an unusual weapon. Mrs. Brown, would you tell us how you drove off your attackers today? With a hat pin! You ever seen a hat 
pin? I, I can't say that I have. Well, that's what we used to use to hold a hats on with. And uh, I ain't got no gun like this vigilante fella. But I went to my closet, and everybody better look out for me from now on. Because I've been robbed too many times, and I've got enough. Some of the men who are building this skyscraper here made what you might call a citizen's arrest today. I'll ask Andrew McCabe, one of the foremen, to tell you about it. Well, uh, we, uh, me and my crew was working down in a hole where one of the boys up on the steel yelled down, uh, hey, there's a mugging going on. So we come out of the hole and through the gate and we caught this guy running and uh, we roughed him up a little bit before the police came. Well, the hospital report says the man had two broken arms, a broken jaw and cracked ribs. No kidding. Jeez, a poor guy must have fell down. Walking distances from D'Agostino's. Two blocks cross town, six short blocks uptown and downtown. I mean, that's how far I'd be willing to walk to a market. Good. Very good, Miss Chipmetti. We have 12 families living in, within this area who have suffered a death in the family in the past three months for mugging, stabbing, shooting, assault. Two of these families have no male members. One family has only an 80-year-old grandfather. That leaves nine families. Total number of male persons in these families who are old enough to have served in the Vietnam War, Korea, or World War II comes to 14. Wild. It's a real wild shot. But the fact is that the vigilante plugged his first victim in Riverside Park. Exactly two and one-half blocks from that D'Agostino market. Even if all these guys are clean, we still can't ignore that coincidence. No, sir. Our friend lives in that neighborhood. But, Frank, he was on a subway with groceries five miles uptown. There's no better come on for a mugging than a guy with a bag full of groceries. I mean, he's got some money in his pocket and his hands are occupied. He might have been carrying those groceries for hours. I want a preliminary line on these names. Where they work, service record, Reputation, police record, if any. And I want it fast, you know, like today, huh? It's probably having as much effect on the total crime picture as putting a Band-Aid on a leopard. I know, wait a minute, I don't know about that. I mean, a mugger's gonna think twice about who he hits. Sure, they're hitting more old ladies, that's all. That's all. How you doing? Let me get you drink. Wait right through there the I'll tell you one thing, the guy's a racist. You notice he kills more blacks than whites. Oh, for Pete's sake, Harry, more blacks are muggers than whites. What do you want us to do, increase the proportion of white muggers who will have racial equality among muggers? Oh, no, racial equality among muggers? Oh, I love it. Oh, he has a good sense of coincidence. Great. What have we got here? A guy named Paul Kershey. His wife was murdered in their apartment. Interesting detail. The attackers, three of them, gained entrance to the apartment by posing as delivery boys from our Degostino's market where the vigilante buys his groceries. What else about him? He lives alone now. Development engineer for the Blue Ridge Corporation. Served in Korea. Medical Corps. Conscientious objector. No police record. Credits. Reputation. Excellent. Conscientious objectors are unlikely vigilantes. We got a finger? Yeah, over there. Patrolman Joe Child. Good. Good morning, Mr. Kiersey. Joe Charles, Mr. Kiersey. Oh, yes, of course. How do you do? Good to see you. How's your daughter? Same. Take care. Follow him. Just a moment, please. You're not resident here. Who do you wish to see? I'll call up for you. No, you won't. 
Okay, so there's a lot to unpack right there. Yeah. <laughs> you do see they're using the groceries. They're tracking it from a six-block radius from that specific Degostinos, and then they end up marking it to where it's the same park where the first shooting happened in. Yep. Now, they don't know, obviously, about the actual first attack that he used the blackjack for, because not until people were gunned down dead yeah. that they knew they had a vigilante on their hands at all. I love the little bit in the party where you have people discussing both sides of the vigilante in New York, because it's become this major news item thing. It's become national news. It's been going on for quite a while, and this guy has killed quite a few people. Yeah. And the crime rates are starting to drop, even yeah. though they won't get official statistics about it. Oh, muggers are scared to mug anybody, because what if you mug the vigilante? Right. Which has its upside and has its downside, because the one guy does mention, like, yeah, sure, you know, muggings are down, but they're just going for more obvious old ladies and victims like that. Then you have the old woman who fended off an attacker with a hat pin. Yeah. A couple of attackers with hat pins that they sh- they interview on the news, kind of glorifying vigilantism there. And then they have the construction workers who, you know, chased down a mugger and then broke his arms and his ribs and everything like that. Yeah, right. Oh, he must have fallen over. I don't know how he got Yeah, I don't know what like happened that. there. The guy says 10 seconds ago, yeah, we might have roughed him up a little bit before <laughs> the cops got here. Then the reporter's like, yeah, he had a broken, two broken arms, <laughs> broken ribs, uh, massive contusions. I don't know how any of that happened. He must have fell over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just said you roughed him up, you fucker. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> but you can kind of see where the vigilantism is uh, kind of addictive almost to where other people kind of, hey man, that looks good. I want to try that on. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, it's kind of the state that you have where crime is so bad that people just get fed up and at a certain point you latch on to something like that. Yeah. You kind of see that happening and you kind of want to emulate it as well. Mm-hmm. And there is a draw to that kind of thing of taking care of it on your own and getting your own justice. Yeah. But that's not justice. That's revenge. No, that's, yeah, that's vengeance. <laughs> that's all it is. And while I like vengeance and I'm all for vengeance, it feels really hollow to me in this film. <laughs> this time around, every yeah. other time I've ever watched it, it never felt hollow Would to you me. You're watching it maybe with a more weathered eye. It's either that I'm more grown up now or that I just, that just sketch the emotions part of it and just watch him kill a bunch of people. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I'm real good at doing that in movies. Yeah, right. I just want to see the death and destruction. I just want to see them. Give me that vengeance. <laughs> I'm real good at blocking out emotions in these usually. Yeah, right. <laughs> I just don't even try to get close to it. And when I do, it affects me way worse than it ever did before now. <laughs> I hate it. Uh, another thing that I wanted to mention too, they also talk about how the guy's probably racist because he's killing more black muggers than white muggers. Yeah. And then the other lady was like, statistically speaking, there are more black muggers than white muggers. Yeah. Do we have to have diversification in mugging and make sure that there's equal representation or something My like that? My God. It, it just goes to show that the arguments that we're having now and the discussions that we're having now, it's the, the same th- shit. Yeah. 40 some odd years later, it's the same fucking shit. Same shit, different day. <laughs> exactly. After this, the detective enters Kersey's apartment without a warrant and without real probable cause other than knowing that he may possibly be the subject of the investigation. Not exactly sure how this works if the super lets you in with a key if it's okay and then they just use that to later go back with a warrant and actually pull the stuff out. Yeah. But as far as I'm concerned, this is fucking illegal. Oh, big time. He should not be doing this. This is fucking, this is him being a pig. Yeah. This is this is him going too far and overreaching. Yeah, you can't, can't do that to try to catch somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, stick to the rules. Yeah, because any of this stuff could be thrown out if they can prove that you were there. Yeah. Which is why it's good to have video cameras all around your house for this kind of stuff. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> you never know whenever someone's going to try and entrap you. Come you. snooping. Yeah, I even wrote that in my notes. Detective illegally searches Paul Kersey's apartment. So there we go. <laughs> so he sends the partner off while he's doing this illegal search without a warrant, and the partner's kind of tracing Kersey and trying to find 
find out where he is and, you know, basically just kind of following around. He ends up going through like his trash. He ends up looking at the trash in the bathroom, which it looks like Percy was smart enough to get rid of some things, but still left some of the bloody stuff behind from when he cleaned up the cut. Yeah. But I mean, there's no way to prove that that's not from shaving or whatever. No. Yeah. You can't yeah. say, but it's just blood that he's going to end up using from the search. Yep. He ends up going through his various reading materials and all of his current reading material that's laying out. And if you look at all the covers and all the newspapers and everything, he's starting to collect newspaper clippings like a serial killer of all the vigilante talk. Uh He's liking this way too much. He's into it. Yeah. And they cut away from that to our next clip. Commissioner. Frank, you know the district attorney? Peters. Commissioner says you have a pretty good suspect. Well, he uh, fits the bill in some respects. We are... Got a blood sample from the knife used on him in the subway and checked it against the sample I found in his apartment. Arrows it down. But in the balance, he could be the man. Yeah, yeah, he could be. Frank, suppose this Paul Kersey is the vigilante. All right, let's say that. We don't want him. Okay. Inspector, on my desk, I have a statistic red hot out of the computer. Mm-hmm. Mugging has gone down by how much, sir? 950 a week to 470, he reported last week. You understand not too many people know that. And, uh... You want to keep it that way, huh? Oh, no, we have to keep it that way, Inspector. This whole city would explode. We'd have vigilantes out in the street killing anybody who even looked greasy. You can see that. We want this man to quit, desist, go away, to stop. So the mugging rate can go up? If I arrest him, wouldn't that get him off the streets? My God, man, I don't want a martyr on my hand. All right. All right. I just want to hear you say it. I'll try to scare him off. But that's as far as I'll go. That's right, Frank. Scare him off. Scare him off. Yes? A call for you from a man who says he's an old friend and wonders if you'll recognize his voice. Do you want the call that way, or shall I insist upon his name? Okay, I'll take I'm putting you through. Hello? Is this Paul Kersey? Yes, who's this? Mr. Kersey, you're under police surveillance. You're being watched. Okay, so they're going to try and scare him off because the cop's not willing to kill him. Yeah, or arrest him. He's not supposed to arrest him. The mayor and the other guy specifically said that once they arrest him, then crime's going to go back up. So they just want to make him go away. Yeah. And they don't want to announce the statistics that crime is down because of this vigilante, because then the streets will be overrun with vigilanteism, which it kind of already is. We saw that in the news report where it's already happening with a couple of these different incidents. And holy shit, Paul Kersey is having an effect. He's becoming almost like this drop in the water that just sends out ripples through the entire city and everybody who has had enough just starts acting the same way and it's like you said the city will explode they'll have people shooting someone on the street for just looking too greasy oh yeah right (laughs) yeah Mm. That's where vigilante justice doesn't come in, right? That guy looked way too happy. Bang! <laughs> yeah. No well, one should be happy living in New York. And then you actually have the racists that are just going out killing someone of a particular race they don't like just because they're a particular race they don't like and they're probably committing crime. That's the problem with vigilanteism. It yeah. eventually delves into just anarchy. <laughs> and that's when it's fun! <laughs> <laughs> so, with that warning, Paul locks up his gun in his little office safe. We've seen him do it a couple of times already. And just goes home while the detectives are watching him. On his way home, he gets stopped by a police car and gets busted and roughed up a little bit by the cops in an attempt to further intimidate him, where they're basically like, I'm terribly sorry, sir. Here's my badge number if you want to port me. Yeah. But they're clearly roughing him up and they're trying to scare him.
near him and he's just not even moving. No. You call that a roughing up, pal? Hey, Billy, you should have seen what I did to a mugger last night. I mean, it wasn't me, but... I mean, you should have seen what the vigilante did to a mugger last night. I mean, I'm a vigilante, but not the one you're looking for, Pally. Hey, Pally. <laughs> While at home, Paul watches the cop pull up and then the partner jump into the car with him. Paul sneaks out of the back of his building through the servant's entrance of the apartment. Yeah. Because it goes through the kitchen and there's the back staircase. Yep. Wow. Harsh. Must be a Trump building. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> But he sneaks out through that back entrance and down the stairs, and he goes out through the alley. And if you notice, it's the same alleyway that the guys came in, the same door and the same staircase that they used to break into his apartment. Yep. And then he sneaks out that same way. And because there isn't any motion or anything like that, and they just see the lights on, they assume that he's there. But the main detective, Mr. Sneezy Pants, who's constantly coughing and has a perpetual cold. Yes. He sends his subordinate out to make a call to the apartment. So that guy has to run to a payphone, which doesn't work. And then another one, and then another one. It becomes like this whole padding of the film. Yeah. Where he's looking for a payphone juxtaposed to Paul trying to find a way to sneak past the other cop who's watching his building. And he gets it in the distraction of what looks like a costume party. Was it like a Wizard of Oz thing or what was that? It seemed like that. I think it was just regular costume party and we just ran into a bunch of Wizard of Oz people at the beginning of it. Yeah, I don't even know if that's what it was or maybe yeah. it was like the cast that just got done with a play uh, or something. Maybe it was a play. And they're celebrating in their yeah. costumes, you know. I bet it was a play. Something along those lines. I, a costume party something but what it is is a bunch of people throwing around balloons looking like they're dressed from the Wizard of Oz yes which is one hell of a distraction if you need one mm-hmm, he rolled, exactly he rolled a 20 for luck there. he really did <laughs> it was a Bam. natural 20 <laughs> they end up distracting the detective he uses this to sneak away and then when they try to call his apartment there is no answer so that detective runs back and the main detective upon being told that there was no answer takes off and leaves the other guy telling him he can go home and we see that Paul is heading back to his office via a cab to retrieve his hand handgun. The main detective driving to find him is weaving through the streets attempting to track him down. They're kind of cutting back and forth between these two. And in every scene from pretty much the first report about the vigilante on the news from here on out, if you look billboards everywhere in this city and almost every shot there are ads for magazines that are either featuring the vigilante as a main story or has a cover dealing with vigilanteism or crime in America or something like yeah. that. And it's all the stuff that you saw in Paul's apartment too, with all these yeah. Time and Newsweek and all these things, various newspapers like out this week, see the latest story, blah blah blah, all these billboards have that stuff everywhere Yep, and it's really driving the point home, like the vigilante is saving your city, Yeah, right. or destroying it depending upon your whatever, perspective. Whatever you got going on. Whether you're a liberal snowflake or if you're an alt-right cuck. Yep, right. <laughs> the detectives meet up and can't find Paul, they have no idea where he is. Paul is quickly confronted by a trio of muggers upon grabbing his gun and walking through the neighborhood park that he was at before. One of them is at the top of the stairs at his back with a gun on him, and the other two who have first accosted him had knives at the base of the stairs, and Paul is standing in the middle of the stairs. Paul guns down two of them. Their gunman in the back misses him, and then after that shot, Paul returns the shot and misses him, although it looks like he shoots him when the way the guy falls down. Then the second man with the knife ends up darting off because Paul didn't get to shoot him enough in time. Falls down a hill and then Paul goes after him. The guy gets basically stuck on the side of the hill in like some shrubbery and stuff yeah. and various branches and things. <laughs> Turns and kind of looks really sad and Paul just guns him down in serious cold blood. Oh, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> only to be shot in the back by the gunman mugger who we thought he had already shot. God damn it. Who then runs off. Paul now has a bullet or two in him. Paul gives chase and fires on him after the mugger checks on his dead friend. He pauses for a moment to check at the guy that dead at the stairs there. Yep. This starts off yet another foot chase as Kersey is injured and moving extremely slowly, but we still see him moving despite all the blood running down his leg. And at this point, he starts moving pretty much like a slasher. I had it written in my notes. He's all Michael Myers with a gun at this point. Yeah, right. You notice that where he's like, you can run, pally, but, but you, you can't can hide. hide. <laughs> it's my city and you're only in it for as long as I stay. You can live. The detective ends up hearing about a shooting on the radio and Kersey tells the gunman when he finally catches up to him that he needs to fill his hand, completing that whole old West fantasy life that he has going on on the top of his head for this kind of revenge game that he's playing. And so he says, fill your hand and draw. And the guy's like, what? Yeah. And then Paul Kersey just completely collapses. And then that guy even gets away. Mm -hmm. They cut from that to the detective arrives on the scene to talk to the local police officer. And that is our final clip. You Riley? Yes, sir. I'm a chore. Yes, sir. You were the first man on the scene? Yes, sir. They told me on the radio you had to see me? Paul Kersey. You spoke to him before the ambulance got here? No, sir. What did you get? His address, sir. Is that all? Well? You went to this on your report? Not yet, sir. Why not? I was uh, waiting for instructions, sir. You never saw it? Yes, sir. Oh, uh, what's your full name? Jackson Riley, sir. 21st Precinct. Okay. I'll remember it. Inspector, is it true that you have the vigilante in there? No. Well, who have you got there? You in charge? How is he? Wounds are clean, nothing vital. We have a transfusion going on now. As soon as we get some blood in him, we'll sew him up again. Is he in there? Yeah. All right if I go in? Well, he won't be able to talk to you much. Can he hear me? He is conscious. Police, I'd like to have him alone. Good evening, Mr. Kersey. This is your gun, Mr. Kersey. We try to give you a chance to get rid of it. You wouldn't take it. Do you hear me okay? We uh, have here a peculiar situation, Mr. Kersey. We find it necessary to make you a proposition since you are not going to favor us by dying. You uh, work for a company with lots of offices. Get a transfer to another city, and I'll drop this gun in the river. Are we connecting, Mr. Kersey? We want you to get out of New York permanently. Inspector, by sundown. Okay, so during this final clip, whenever the detective is talking to the cop on the scene, did you notice that that patrolman had six fingers on his left hand? I did not. That's Christopher Guest from The Princess Bride. He was the six-fingered oh, man. Oh, that was Christopher Guest? Christopher Guest. An extremely young Christopher Guest was the patrolman. Wow, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. That's yeah. insane. I had to do a, like a triple take. I'm like, what that fucking voice? And then I looked at his face. I'm like, no. That's crazy. No, that's Christopher Guest. Nice. You know who Christopher Guest is married to? Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. That's right. Right, yeah. Wow. Well done, Christopher Guest. I couldn't love that man anymore. No. He did himself some good jobs. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a part of some of the most amazing mockumentary comedies yep. and a creator of a lot of them as well. Yes. Like, that is his format now. Mm -hmm. Nobody does that better than him. No, they do not. Yeah. <laughs> it's just incredible. But anyway, enough about how amazing Christopher Guest is with his six fingers on his left I hand. I think that's just the worst thing I ever heard. <laughs> how wonderful. <laughs> 
<laughs> so that guy actually had Paul Kersey's gun. So Paul Kersey dropped it. He wrapped it up. He didn't put it in the report. And I love how the police are making this all go away because they need to get rid of this guy quietly. They need to make sure the vigilante's yep. never caught, but they also need him to stop killing as well just to kind of have things level out because this city's about to have itself ripped apart. It's essentially the PSYOP's way for handling crabs. Yes. Where they shave we one shave side. shave one half, like the other half of fire, and then bash it with a hammer. That's basically what would happen with the vigilanteism yeah. that's about to erupt and or crime to surge again. Yes, we'd have to shave half the city like the other half of <laughs> fire and then bash it with a hammer. <laughs> that's essentially what's going to happen if they're not careful. And they're trying to avoid that. That's why they're hiding Paul Cozy's yeah. gun. And that's even the detective says, hey, man, I've got you dead to rights. And if you want to get this over with and we want to quietly get you out of the city, here's how it's going to happen. You get out. I throw the gun in the river and everything goes away. Yeah. You stay. You go to jail for the rest of your life. And I love at the end there, the whole like cowboy mentality is complete where he goes by sundown. Yeah, right. Like a smart ass as he's laying there bleeding out <laughs> before they stitch him up. After that, we see a little bit of a travelogue of Chicago and then a shot of the train station where thugs are roughing up a lady while Paul is there. He goes to help her pick up her bags. And then Paul the th- has been transferred to Chicago. Yeah, he's, he's being there. welcomed. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah, he's being welcomed there, but he's in Chicago at the yeah. train station. I thought that was pretty obvious. Yeah. Because he's told he has to get out of town yeah. and now he's in Chicago. But anyway, these guys are roughing up this lady with the bag and Paul walks over to help her out and starts picking up her luggage and the various things that they've knocked out of her hand. Then when the thugs start talking trash at him, he points at them with a finger, making a gun motion. Making a finger gun. Makes a bit of a smiley face as only Charles Bronson can do, indicating that he is not done. He's just going to pick up and start doing this again in Chicago. From Chicago. Here we go. Hey, belly. As far as we can tell, that's the end of the movie, so roll credits. All right, it's time to gush a little bit. We kind yep. of moved through it quickly because we got a lot of feedback and we don't really have a lot of time. And plus, I mean, that's pretty much the movie. You it's watch it. You know what? Move through it quickly. There's no other way to move through it, really. Yeah. I mean, I, it was a good synopsis. <laughs> I mean, it was a good job reviewing the movie. <laughs> that's just the movie, everybody. <laughs> yeah, he runs around killing people. You watch him do it. There's yeah. montages of it. Then there's specific sequences. When it was the montage, I just said montage. Yeah. And then the very specific ones that are important, we, we, we definitely focus focused in on. Now, the things that I noticed this time around that I haven't really thought of before as much, there's a lot of pathology laid out in that main clip where he's in Arizona in Tucson with that developer, Mm -hmm. particularly at the shooting range. Specifically, his father was a hunter. He very, very much loved his father. And that's where he learned guns and how to respect guns and how to shoot and all of that kind of stuff and being a hunter. And then his father was also killed by a gun by a hunter who apparently mistook him for a deer, or at least that's the story that he's been told. Yeah. Who knows how his father actually ended dying and because of his father's death his mother then started beating it into him that no guns guns are wrong yeah and his mother kind of turned him into the man that would become a conscientious objector well that's during the korean war was her that's how she was yeah yeah that was her because she was the mom and dad opposites attracted there you know i like the idea that his parents are on the left and right respectively yeah and he started off basically because his dad was on the right kind of patterning after his dad which some sons are want to do yep and then once his father dies and he has this gaping hole that's left by the gun, then the conscientious objector side or the left side of his family kind of takes over. So all along, he has these tendencies towards the right inside of him, even though he doesn't admit it, but he's learned empathy and all these other things that the left are more known for Yeah, that his mother kind of brought home. And that's what made him a conscientious objector. And it's not until all of the things that gave him the empathy and love and all the things that he had in his life that he cared about were stripped away from him. And then all hope of any justice being got any other way does he turn to this other life becoming a 
vigilante and being like far right, ultra right vigilante type guy. Yeah. So he loses his dad at a young age and raised by his mother. He becomes enamored of the old West and frontier justice. I would submit to you that Paul Kersey becomes a serial killer. Yes, he does. He's a serial killer. You can call him a vigilante if you need to make yourself feel better, but you're exactly right. He's a serial killer. Because it begins escalating and that high gets less and less and he needs more and more danger. Yep. And he has cooling off periods in between. The only reason people wouldn't call him a serial killer is he's not killing what you would call innocent people. You know, he's killing. But it doesn't matter. You're still a serial killer no matter who you're killing. If you're killing some people and killing a lot of them, you are a serial killer. Technically, you could be a mass murderer. The thing that makes you a serial killer is a cooling off period between kills. Oh. And even if he was doing it nightly, he had a daytime cooling off period. That's true. He was living what was perceived to be a normal everyday life. Yeah, he's he a serial killer. You're yeah. exactly right. Paul Kersey's totally... I was expecting him to fight me on that. No. I thought we were going to argue on this. No, no, he's minutes. totally a serial killer. But do you see the the psychology that yeah. I have behind that where yeah. he loses his father, raised by his mother, and, yep. you know? And then has a traumatic event on top of all that. Yeah, so that a traumatic... him out of it. A traumatic event took him away from the man that his father was shaping him to be. He was raised by his mother which makes him very sensitive and maybe his mm-hmm. mother was overly anti-gun and all these other things and maybe you know might have been abusive towards him mm-hmm. because even when you first see Paul Kersey in the movie when he's happy with his wife yeah. he doesn't look like he's a well-adjusted individual you no know, I actually see a lot in the beginning of the movie where he's with his wife I see a lot of myself in him mm-hmm. where he's happy because of her yeah he's at peace because of her he ties everything he has to her and when he loses her that's all gone and then all these other things that he has dealt with in the past come back to haunt him and it's not until this frontier justice gives him a way out that he ends up justifying what it is that he does for becoming a serial killer. That's right. I mean, you're not wrong, but yeah, it's it's a classic serial killer pattern. Like, watch Criminal Minds. The vigilante could be on Criminal Minds. He's an unsub. Yeah, he's an unsub. <laughs> I mean, in fact, I think they made that Criminal Minds. <laughs> the only thing that was lacking was Charles Bronson. Yeah, exactly. It was just lacking Kersey. Yeah, yeah. Now, did you want to kind of dig into any of the other parts of the movie? Anything that kind of stuck out for you that you wanted to talk about? Uh, you know, the, the it, it, it's as bad as it is, maybe this show's getting to me, the rape scene wasn't nearly as bad as I remembered it. I, th- I built it up worse in my head than what th- it actually was to I, me. I think there's a reason for it. We'll get into it more whenever we cover part two. Yeah. But I would submit to you everything that people attribute to the original Death is Wish part two. is actually from part two. And I believe you're exactly right. They just misunderstand what the original Death Wish is and yeah. they automatically think of part two because that was the one that was way more prevalent for a lot of us as kids on cable and everything because everybody's like yeah and then they kill the guy and then he kills all the guys that got his daughter and yeah, you know but he never sees and his wife guys. but yeah. no in the original movie he never actually gets retribution he never gets revenge he never finds the people that harmed his wife that's right and it's not about that it's about making himself feel better by murdering people who yeah. he perceives to be scum yeah exactly at this point he's he becomes a serial killer from that tragic event yeah but <laughs> I just yeah that was like the one thing that stuck out to me really in this well the beating is actually far more graphic and brutal and focused in on a lot more yeah. The actual sexual assault is almost like an afterthought even for these guys where they're like, well, we're here. Might as well do something. Yeah. And then Jeff Goldblum just basically decides to get rapey to show that he's the one that's in charge. Yeah. And that's why he ends up doing what he ends up doing. And from the sounds of it, and I don't want to get too graphic and sound so horrible, it doesn't even really sound like he actually got what he wanted. I don't think he got there at all. I think he was getting ready to. And they got interrupted before yeah, it could actually happen. So then they ran. Whatever it was, it, he didn't it get to bad. complete. He didn't yeah, get to yeah, finish. I don't think he got to finish because it was like a, a second. So, <laughs> not even you could finish that. Fast. No, <laughs> and I've tried. <laughs> 
<laughs> Much to your wife's chagrin. <laughs> it's not about her. Yeah. I think it's a solid opening for the series. Yeah. Um, I think it really kind of establishes everything you need to see for this vigilante type of killer. I don't want to call it a fun movie. No, it's not a fun movie. It's a well-made film, but I also don't want to call it a good movie because it, it doesn't leave you feeling good. It is a yeah. very effective movie. It's a well-put-together movie. Yeah, and, it's, and it is, I would say, entertaining because it's very engaging. I don't feel a single moment of that hour and a half. And even the stuff that I would ordinarily call padding, like a lot of the foot chases and, you know, the various conversations and all of that, it drives home the point and we learn more about who Paul Kersey is because he's a closed book that is locked. Yeah. We don't get to see anything about him. Everything about Paul is inside a drawer and it, it's locked. And it's not until somebody picks that lock and opens it up a little bit that we learn more about him and we start to understand who he is. He's almost like a blank slate on purpose where they're trying to make him like the everyman so that anyone can identify with him and put themselves in their shoes of, man, I would have to do this if this happened to my family. No, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it spawned a whole shitload of these rape, revenge, vengeance movies and men getting revenge for their women being put in the refrigerator. Yeah, exactly. A lot of refrigerated women movies. A lot of refrigerated women. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually a term. I don't know if you knew about it. No. It comes from the comic book world. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, there's always a superhero who comes home and finds his woman in the refrigerator and that drives him forward to do oh, the thing that he's about to do. Yeah. It's like a thing. Okay. It's a thing. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Dave. All right. So we're going to forego the news tonight because we have a shitload of fucking yes. feedback to get through. So let's get started on that. We're going to take a little break here. going to play a promo for another podcast. We'll have a little bit of music. And when we come back, we will have our feedback. Hey, kids. It's F13 from CinemaDiabolica.com. Here at Diabolical Headquarters, we have an eye for the future. That's why we've stopped trying to figure out what it is you fickle bastards like and instead have resorted to directly stimulating the pleasure centers of your brains using our patented brainwave fustigation therapy. Created and guaranteed safe by our own Professor DZ. Wait, I didn't say it was safe. But why take our word for it? Let's look at some of the test subjects experiencing an enhanced episode of Cinema Diabolica and see what they think. All right, test subject number five, role playback. <laughs> oh, no, no. Oh, God. Oh, shut down the playback. Oh, God, she's bleeding. Cinema Diabolica, dousing you with hot cauldrons of entertainment since 2007. Check it all out at cinemadiabolica.com and hear all the Pops In podcasts at popsyndicate.net. Make sure you run like Napoleon Dynamite when yes. you shoot first and run like hell. <laughs> How else do you run down the street? <laughs> like a scorned teenage boy who's upset that everybody's not paying attention to him the way that he'd like. Hey, Pelly, give me a break. I've never ran before. <laughs> you know what I would like to have? What's that? Time for incoming mail! 
I haven't used this in a really long no time. No kidding. Probably since our last uh, anniversary-ish type I think time so. frame. We don't really ask for feedback, but we're always happy to have it. So, you know, give us some feedback. I wouldn't say we ever ask for feedback. We usually just beg for it. No, around this time, yeah. I usually just put up a post, hey, you have X amount of time if you want to put something in. And then we always threaten a small puppy if you don't. <laughs> I've never threatened a small puppy. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just threaten newborn babies because that's... <laughs> that's That'll nice. still get the same job done, yeah? That's how I roll. All right, so we have 11 emails, roughly one for every 10 weeks minus about 40 weeks. There you go. <laughs> he did the math. And eh, quickly in my head. <laughs> All right, so nine little voicemail clips. So we'll just kind of do it in a one every other one kind of thing. All right, sounds yeah. good. And then we also have some comments because I did post up in the group, hey, we're recording in two hours. Oh, all right. You want to get your congratulations in, put it in the comments here and I'll I'll read those off as well. All right, so let's see. This one comes from our boy Brandon. Always causing trouble. Uh-huh. Always causing Always trouble. Always causing trouble. Yeah. Congrats, you guys. Way to keep at it. Now give me my damn full franchise fest for Cannonball Run or Smokey and the Bandit. And then in all caps, so I guess I have to shout this. Smokey is the Bandit! He is the Bandit. So congratulations to us, but yeah. also a demand. A demand. Yeah. If anybody's going to make a demand, it's going to be Brandon. Well, yeah, there's other people out there, but definitely Brandon. Yeah. yeah. I keep wondering if he's going to get kicked off Facebook for that. <laughs> As long as he's civil in the group, he's fine. He's got a penchant <laughs> for getting kicked off of Facebook. I think he likes it. I think so, too. Uh, oh, this is from our boy Kit. Hey! Uh, Kit Power. Kit Power. We got mentioned in his latest book on Tommy. Really? Because we did the show with him about oh, Tommy. Oh, that's where he, right. We talked about the, how it was his own cinematic trauma. Yeah. Yeah, so that's exciting. I can't wait for that. There we go. All right, so hey, both. Many congratulations on making 150 episodes without killing each other. That's the important part. Yes. <laughs> oh, and also for the podcast, I guess. <laughs> kind of, sort of, thanks. No. <laughs> he says, I love the breadth of the movies you cover and the Matt slash court chemistry. Yeah. And then he says, and maybe biology, but I don't know, but I don't need to know about that. <laughs> he wants to know about that. Yeah, I think you do, Kat. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, so our chemistry is among the best of any of the shows that he listens to. Well, thank you for that. And he says he listens a lot. Oh, awesome. Nice. Also, rock on, you space trucking. Dream Warriors, which I don't have that clip for, so can't uh, do that. Dream <laughs> Warriors. Here's to the next 150. Oh, and then here we go. P.S. Space Trucking. Dream Warriors is the name of his hair metal band side project, so thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I actually think that it is. Dynamite! Dynamite! <laughs> Out of sight! But just remember while you're. Avoid being... <laughs> All right, so that's two emails down. Let's go to a voicemail and save mine voice. I put all of the voicemails that I received in alphabetical order by first name. And so that starts with Chef Al of the currently on hiatus Kiss the Goat podcast, which makes me extremely yes. sad. Sadness. Hopefully they will come out of retirement soon because damn, I miss Kiss the Goat. Right. X Cootie, wherever you are, if you're listening to this, you can hear my voice. We love you. Love we miss you. you. We want you back. We'll do anything, including quitting this show. Why did you leave us? But here's Chef Al. Hey, PsyOps guys. This is uh, Al from Halifax. Uh, maybe you know me as uh, Chef Al. I don't know. I don't know if you know me. Does anyone really know anybody? Jesus Christ. Yeah, so anyway, um, 386 episodes. Wow. It's pretty amazing, dudes. Um, just thought I'd drop you a quick line. I don't have any bits prepared or anything like that. Well, I got some bits prepared. 
but they're not for you. They're my bits. Like, isn't that enough? Can a guy just not have his own bits? Um, no, but seriously, uh, I just wanted to drop you a quick line and say thanks for all the great entertainment you've been providing. Uh, fantastic show. I think I came on to you a year and a half ago, something like that. Um, not that it really matters because I've blown through the entire backlog real fast. And, uh, it's a great pick me up every week. You've been dropping shows on pretty much my only night off uh, for the last while, so it's been a great treat to uh, have that to wind down to, a.k.a. get wound up by. Um, one of the things I really love about your show is there's always a co- consistency of format, but you're able to reinvent your format all the time, and... Uh, that's really appreciated. Uh, it, it does create this kind of sense of seasons and periods and phases that uh, really make it engaging. Um, never feels tired. I mean, well, except for Matt. He's just kind of tiring. But, uh, I mean, I shouldn't even say that because you guys are, like, great about public involvement and stuff like that. And building up to this, uh, you know, pretty significant milestone, I think is great the level of interaction that you have with the people that are listening to the show like i really didn't expect uh tonight to see a one-armed matt show up at my restaurant at closing um i i appreciate the booze sales i i'm assuming that diners club card is going to clear at the end of the night um find it funny that he's not saying much of anything he's kind of like sitting in the corner and gibbering a little bit um but i'm sure it'll all be fine um Anyway, that's all I got. I should have worked on something better. I'm sorry. It's, it's not my standards, guys. It's, uh, it is what it is. But anyway, here's to another 150 and, uh, hopefully not so many have to, uh, die to get there. Alright. Over and out. Bye bye. Dude, you stole my fucking Diners Club card again? Some say they're still waiting to see if that diner card goes through to this day. <laughs> I hear tell of the one-armed Matt from another dimension, but I didn't know that he actually made it through. Yeah. There should really be like one or you or less in we, this dimension. We partied a little bit. Guys are tense. Losing <laughs> that arm, man. That was rough. That one arm actually showed up because of our uh, episode on Pontypool. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Th- things got weird. Things get really weird. Yeah. Things get really weird around here. Yeah, it's Pontypool. <laughs> <laughs> Panty pool, Ponty pool. Panty pool. <laughs> chef Al, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. He's a full-fledged chef, dude. That's not just a nickname. No, oh, yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's what he does. He used to do a uh, a segment where on Kiss the Goat, he would prepare a dish that would match around the movie that they were covering. Oh, wow. And he did some really kind of interesting and funky ideas that I was like, I, there's no way in hell I would ever be able to create this, but I would totally try this dish. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, Chef Al knows what he's doing. And if I'm ever in... In that area, I'm going to find his restaurant and I'm going to eat there. Nice. And I'm going to report one-armed Matt for stealing my diner's club card. You should. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Who in our age group has a diner's club I card? I don't know, man. <laughs> Is that even I a I want to meet him. Is that actually a thing still? That's not a thing. I didn't Thank think you. it was. Thanks, boss. <laughs> That's just odd. All right, we're going to go back to our emails here. Uh, we got one from Fancy. Fancy! Court and Matt, congratulations on 150 episodes of Cinema PsyOps. That's a hell of a lot of garbage people saying garbagey things. I wish I could do a Mark impersonation. I know, right? I totally heard that in Mark's voice. Yeah, right. That's a hell of a lot of garbagey people doing garbagey.
dodgy things. <laughs> That's the closest Mark I got. That's not all that good either. Yeah, I'm sorry, Mark. <laughs> I hope you disgusting degenerates keep making this show and helping this pervert get a few laughs in for a very long time. Uh, we don't plan on stopping, and flattery will get you everywhere calling us disgusting degenerates. <laughs> Are, is he supposed to be insulting to us? Because I take that as a compliment. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Particularly coming from a man whose pants got ripped by a stripper's ass. Say what? <laughs> you heard that story? He told that on the air. That's right. <laughs> fancy slacks, man. Ooh, the fancy slacks. Yeah, if That's that right. guy's going to call you a disgusting degenerate, you know you're doing all I'm right. I'm pleased. Yeah. <laughs> Long live the garbage people. We totally agree, Fancy. Fancy, Mark Ball. P.S. If you can't pay your bail, I can probably fix that for a blowy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that one can be said in Mark's voice. If you yeah. can't pay your bail? Well, I can probably fix that for a blowy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Mark. That was great. Good job, Mark. All right, we're going to go to our next voicemail. This is short and sweet and to the point from our local cult leader, Cole. Hey, this is Cole from Omaha. Just want to say congratulations on reaching the huge milestone of 150 weeks and looking forward to many more. Thank you very much, Cole. We Thanks, do Cole. not appreciate your lifestyle and the cult that you have started. Yes. We're very much terrified of that, but uh, all due respect, if you keep them off our lawns, you're good. Yeah, you're we're fine. Yeah. <laughs> In all seriousness, thanks, Cole. Thanks, Cole. <laughs> all right, back to the emails. Again, this is from Peter, or Pete. Pete. It's Pete. This is from Pete. Congrats on 150. Love your show. You guys have an awesome combination of informative and entertaining commentary on the movies you review. See, now I don't even believe he actually listens to nope. the show. Never listened to a day in his life. Because <laughs> there's no way that we would be a combination, let alone an awesome one of informative and entertaining. Liar. <laughs> thanks, though, Pete. We appreciate thanks, that. Thanks, Pete. Many a workday has passed by fast faster from listening to your show. Keep up the great work. I'm, he's definitely talking to me there. Yeah. <laughs> Not me. Yeah. Thank you so much, Pete. Let's do another email real quick. This is coming from my boy, Mike. Okay. Let's see here. I'm pretty good with snappy comebacks and such, but anything longer tends to die horribly like my hopes and dreams, but here goes. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that, that was... Uh, you all right, buddy? That's... Uh, uh, hey, you okay, Mike? Hey, hey Mike, you need, need you talk to somebody? You want to go get tattoos together or yeah, something, man? Would that, that make you feel better? Go out back, throw the ball around a little bit. Maybe listen to some metal and drink your feelings out. There's something going on there, buddy. All right, so here's the rest of the email. 150 episodes. Holy shit! <laughs> Holy shit! All right, so you got my animal. Yeah, yeah, of course. Good. Yeah. I can't believe that big number. I love it when the lady tells me that. <laughs> <laughs> but usually first, it's a member. It's the first time you've ever heard it? <laughs> I've never heard that stuff. Oh, okay. Usually anything I really enjoy disappears without a trace and gets canceled way too early <laughs> and in parentheses he has fuck Sundance TV for axing Happen Leonard yeah. I wholeheartedly agree I'm heartbroken I hope somebody picks up Happen Leonard because that show was too good for its own good uh, Cinema Psyops pushes all of my buttons and scratches all of my itches and then in parentheses we have even the ones from Gorchrot ooh yeah alright you need to get that looked at that's uh Gorchrot's not anything to toy with at all <laughs> no through the show I've interacted with many fine ladies and gentlemen that I wouldn't have otherwise and I continue to have and in parentheses mostly non-sexual relationships <laughs> I want to know I want to know which ones aren't non-sexual with many of them yeah um, if there's cinema psyops group orgies going on that we're not invited to that's hurtful yeah I mean we understand but, I mean we get it but that's still fucked up yeah at least let us watch over it like yeah. Z-Man and uh, fucking Beyond the Valley of the Dolls because this is my happening and it freaks me out <laughs> Uh, 
let's see here. Thanks for creating this club. And it really is kind of a club at this point. Yeah, it really is. That I am very proud to be a member of. Hashtag. And he, he wrote it in all caps, so I guess I have to do it this way. Garbage people forever! <laughs> Congrats on making it through 150 episodes without committing homicide. Court, you're a better man than I. And Matt, thanks for just being you and helping me feel better about myself. God damn. But he then continues with, may the force be with you. Oh, well, fuck you. <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> He's not wrong. He doesn't have a point. Yeah. Thank you so very much, Mike. And uh, once again, if you're having sexual relationships with members of our group. If you there know, are cinema up orgies, you should at least videotape them and let us watch. <laughs> it's the least you could do. <laughs> Or just send us thoughts and prayers, because that really is the absolute least you can do. Yes, right. <laughs> All right. This one is coming from Darren from the Psychosemantic Podcast and the VD Clinic. Here we go. Hey, Court and Matt. It is your good friend Darren from the Psychosemantic Cast and the VD Clinic Podcast. I feel like you've heard this intro before, because here we are again with the continuation of your Iron Man-ish streak uh, that's more in the baseball sense than the comic book sense. Of 150 episodes, I think I said this on your last anniversary, and it still holds true. Can always count on you guys. They're a blast. I've been lucky enough to have been on your wonderful program a few times, and I do want to give you credit or blame you, however you look at it, for being the springboard from which I sprang my own show or this version of the show some people might think that's a good thing that might be a bad thing but this is not about me i just wanted to say thanks guys it's 150 episodes straight is a streak that that's you know that's rad uh you guys are amazing you're a blast i'm trying to keep this short because hopefully everyone who has a blast with your show is writing or calling in keep it up i'm looking forward to next year and Thanks again. Hopefully this made any sort of semblance of sense, but you guys are used to my rambles, and I thank you for it. Here's to the next 150. America's a bunch of cunts. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you Thank very you, much. Darren. You're absolutely correct, sir. America's a bunch of cunts. You are absolutely yeah, right. That's correct. I'm a cunt. America's a bunch of cunts. I'm a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> we know, Matt. We know. I know. <laughs> All right, let's see. We now have one more email. This is from Blue. Oh, this could get really sexy really fast. Yeah. All right. Hi, guys. I just wanted to drop you a quick email to congratulate you on your 150th episode. It doesn't feel like you've put out 150 shows, as it really is no hardship listening to each and every one of them. That went in a completely different area than I was expecting, so I'm glad that, that turned positive real yeah, fast. Right. Same here. <laughs> you've made me laugh so hard that I couldn't breathe. You're welcome, slash I'm very sorry. Ah. <laughs> I love that we actually have that effect on people, but I yeah. really want people to be able to breathe. Yeah, well, yeah, because if they can't breathe, we lose a listener. Right, because they'll die. Yeah. Yeah, so. I mean, that's just science. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the asphyxiation will do that to a person. It will kill them eventually. Mm. I raise my glass to you both and to the next 150 shows. You've made me feel at home in the Facebook group and raised my spirits during some really rough times. And for that, I thank you. Well, I'm sorry to hear about the very rough times, Blue, but I'm very glad that we were able to help get you through that. And if we make you laugh so hard that you can't breathe, I hope that those laughs continue to come for as long as we keep doing this show yeah. or until I kill Matt, well, whichever happens first. Or heart disease, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> or Gorshrot. Yeah, that too. <laughs> Let's do two voicemails back to back. Up first is a boy Gary from Cinema Beef. 
Matt, for the last fucking time, I do not want to butt chug Zima with you. Oh, hi. This is Gary from the Sunbeef Podcast. Here to congratulate Court and Matt, respectively. Uh, <laughs> that guy. Um, um, their three-year anniversary, for one thing, which is coming up very soon. And then the 100, 150th episode, I'm knocking out both these things all at once. Uh, first of all, not bitter at all that uh, you guys got to the 150th before I did. Uh, I do this a lot longer. Not a lot longer, but longer longer enough. And uh, that just proves one thing, that I'm much more lazy in court. It's very more well-versed and very well uh, motivated to get shows out on time. And uh, <laughs> I got to revel in that and putting on quality quality uh, programming for all you young kids and boppers to listen to. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and for having me on the show, as, uh, as you guys know, I am the champion of guest spots on the Son of the PsyOps show. I try to bring that flavor and make it really, really hard for Court to edit. And uh, it all shows up in the loop real, folks. If you guys listened to the show before, he works meticulously hard and not following the Cinebeef cut-and-paste editing rule uh, of, of, of uh, podcasting and putting clips in and making funny bits sometimes garbage people uh and i yeah that's all great but in, in year three i i, I hear that there's going to be a lot more sexploitation stuff coming up and you know i'm hoping stuff that will scar matt like nobody's business i mean court if you listen to this and i know you are really open it up man you know you know like like uh that old guy breaking the, the land speed record. Just really go in that Matt's anal cavity with, with these bad movies. And then pull those anal beads out like you're starting the lawnmower, okay, man? Yeah. Groovy, baby. <laughs> um, I'd imagine like, that's, that's how you start Matt up before the show. Beads or some cumbersome object and just wreck them. Um, maybe? Possibly? I'm rambling again. That's all I'm good for. Anyway, thanks for the for the free funny, and uh, thanks for always being gracious host to me and to uh, your listening your listening uh, audience. And uh, I repeat myself again. But, uh, that's about it for this one. Uh, again, happy third year, third year over with, going into the fourth year, and uh, happy one one fiftieth. I'm hoping to be there soon, brothers. Um, Satan's speed, I'd say God's speed, but I know Court's an atheist, and uh, it'll just make Matt more happy if I said God's speed. You can have your uh, your man in the sky, uh, Matt, all day long. I love him, love him, love him. Jesus loves you, he loves you a bunch. That's why I always put Skippy in your bum. Lunch, 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 lunch! Uh, <laughs> have a good one, guys. Bye. <laughs> Gary lies. He totally wants to butt Chuck Zima with me. He always has. I have the emails to prove it. Jesus Christ, that was amazing, Gary. That was a great job, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I love how-
how it just starts off like he's threatening you because he doesn't yeah. want to bug. It just gets crazier from there. But you know he does. This is why he is the rating guest. I love how he specifically states like flat out that his whole goal when he guesses to make it harder for me to edit. Yeah. Like that's his whole thing. I know. That was a secret pack the two of you had right off the bat. Pretty from much. The very first time yeah. you ever guessed it. Yep. <laughs> yep. We're just going to fuck your world over. <laughs> and yet I still seem to be able to pull out an editing job between you that. You did. I mean, it's a testament to your abilities. And we always have fun because I'm always like, fuck you guys. I'm going home. And then you're like, nope, we're going to keep recording. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's an absolute blast. Thank you so much, Gary. We really appreciate that. Let's move on. We've got uh, Jason up next here. Hey, Court and Matt. This is Jason Gray from the Bloodstream sailing my way down to you to congratulate you guys on 150 episodes. You guys have just been space trucking right along week after week, giving us quality episode after quality episode. It's become tradition around here that every Sunday night when I'm in the kitchen making dinner, I've got cinema psyops on, trying not to laugh and burn down the house. So I hope every fan out there will come dance with me in celebration of your 150 episodes. And if this comes in a little bit late and you can't use it for your 150th episode, I'm going to get in early and say congratulations on 200 episodes. Thanks, guys, and keep streaming. Wow. wow. <laughs> so do I have to save that for when we hit 200 then? No, because he got it in on time. Oh, yeah, yeah, he did. He totally did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he was calling for some clips there. I don't have yeah. them all, but you get this one. And I know you didn't call for it, but this one's all for me anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pitch shifted Ricky says, yeah, so beautifully. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. So thank you very much, Jason. Sorry, I don't have all those clips, so I can't do the whole dance with me, dance with me and everything. But yeah. I, I really appreciate the callbacks. It's always great to know that when you have a shtick that people dig. Dance, dance. Oh, God. It, it'll follow you for the rest of your it's life there. while you're podcasting. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I love the callbacks. I absolutely love them. All right. So we have three voicemails left and four emails. So let's go back to the email here. Uh, this is from my boy Pete. Jesus fuck, Matt. That, that's the opening line. Yeah. I, I think that's how he wanted me to say it, right? I think so. How can you fit in the same room as Court's ego? Not easy. Wow. Yeah. Joe nope. buried you. No wonder you do so many episodes from the bunker. Actually, that's least. But- <laughs> yes. Seriously, though, you guys kick ass. Here's to another 150. XO, XO, Pete. Oh, and you're going to love this, Matt. P.S. <laughs> please bring back munchies. Jesus Christ, people. No, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. It's gotten locked away. It's on the YouTube page. Yeah. We did a commentary. The video is there. It's there for you. Not touching Munchie. Yeah, no. He's, he's trolling us. <laughs> he's totally trolling us there. Okay, so we've got uh, another voicemail here from our boy Ken from Rhode Island. Dance with me. Dance with me. Hey, guys. Ken here. Checking in. Um, Mystique the Cat on the Facebook group, if y'all don't know. Uh, you should know by now. Um, just wanted to wish you guys a happy 150 episodes. Uh, it's it's quite an accomplishment. Court, I know you do a lot of work to make this show kick ass, and it really shows. Matt, I know you don't do shit, but it works. Um, just want to tell you guys I love your show. I listen every Monday. It makes my day. Uh, I love the community you put together in the Facebook group. Uh, Darren, I want to thank you for the Photoshopping inspiration. I am now a... Uh, an accomplished alternative photographer. Um, yeah, I like the movie stack Jenga. It, uh, nice to switch it up. But I will say, I think the movies are too nice to Matt now. There's not uh, we need we need a good uh, women in prison or Italian uh, cannibal film or something something to uh, give Matt a few more gray hairs. So um, love you guys. Keep on space trucking. 
I've been waiting since your 10 to midnight episode for more Bronson. Now we're going to have, what, like four or five films, two to three hours of bad Bronson impressions? I cannot fucking wait. Happy 150, you punks. Now get ready to say hi to Jesus. Happy 150, Court Matt, for reals. Bye, guys. Hey, Pally. Hey. Thanks for that feedback. Hey, don't be leaving us out in the cold like that again, Pally. I want to snuggle. No dice. No dice. <laughs> no dice. Uh, yeah, Ken has uh, been giving Darren a run for his money lately in the alternative photography department. Yeah. That's been kind of my favorite thing, too, that's kind of developed out of this show is what happens in the group afterwards with yeah. the alternative photographers. Yeah. It's it's like RJ, uh, Robert um, will do a few things from time to time as well. Uh, Darren and, and Mystique, a.k.a. Ken, like those four folks are almost always guaranteed to post something. Yeah. A boy, Chris Mounts, who is our contest winner for uh, oh, yeah. the reviews and everything. He'll he'll throw in some stuff every now and then yep. that he's done some alternative photography too. Here's what I'm getting from our review. Congrats. You do all the work. Uh-huh. I don't do shit. Yeah. They want harsher movies uh, to affect me more. Yeah, that's the checklist that we seem to yeah. be hitting quite then, frequently. Then Space Trunkin' and Dance With Me, Dance Me. I made sure I deleted the dance with me, dance with me, because yeah. I didn't want to play that because it gets stuck in your head just it's mentioning just, it. Well, now it's there anyway. Yeah, we're going to be I wish it, we had uh, it. <laughs> just because. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to have to mute your mic so I can read this, yeah, I'm, all right, I'm sorry, go ahead. All right, this is from Fearless Leader of Legion Podcast Network. <laughs> it is Bo. Bo. It's quite an achievement to reach 150 episodes of cinema, and he even spelled it out this way, Puss Iops. Why has he put so much emphasis on the P? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe because he's a huge fan of Bugs Bunny. <laughs> He, he's a man that loves his Looney Tunes, and, and that's yes. something that we, has kind of brought us together with Bo. All right, normally this would be a cause for celebration, but in the case of your show, I think something else may be in order, an indictment. Not wrong. Damn. Yeah. For 150 episodes, Cinema Psyops has been, polluting, has been polluting listeners' ears with foul language, occasional sexually explicit content, and more irony than is allowed for single episodes. Your show nearly ripped apart the Legion Podcast Network with your libelous claims against adult film stars and feuds with more reputable shows. Cinema Psyops is a pirate ship with a tattered flag sailing across the seas of questionable movies and firing cannons of disdain. Long may she sail. I think we have our little bit of a blurb for our next promo. (laughs) Jesus, that was amazing. That's that's amazing. Here's to 150 more. Thank you so much, fearless leader Bo. Sorry, Bo. (laughs) That is actually pretty awesome, man. We we got a little indictment from him. I'm going to have to save that and maybe have somebody read that off. I know, right? <laughs> That'll be our next promo. I mean, that sums us up perfectly. Cinema PsyOps is a pirate ship with a tattered flag sailing across seas of questionable movies and firing cannons of disdain. <laughs> it, it really is what we do. <laughs> Long may she sail. It's true. That's that's He's nailed us in one right there. <laughs> Yar, matey. <laughs> All right, we're going to go to our boy Lee from They Must Be Destroyed on Sight in our next voicemail. Hey, Court and Matt. It's Lee from They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. I've got nothing really witty or funny to say. I don't have anything prepared to say that I was thinking about too strongly. But I did want to send something over to you guys to say congratulations for reaching 150 episodes. That is a monumental sort of thing for podcasts, especially podcasts that are, you know, done more out of love than some sort of necessity. Well, financial necessity, I guess. I mean, you can see all these other podcasts that make money that are just throwing out hundreds of episodes, but when it comes down to the nitty-gritty of us podcasters that just sort of do this for just for the fun of it and to get our own thoughts and feelings about 
film out on the airwaves here for other people to uh, suffer through. It is a pretty big thing to get to 150. You know, a lot of podcasts really just don't make it out of the gate. They get bored with it. They don't know what, what they want to do. You guys have evolved over the time that you've done it. You've only gotten better. Speaking as someone who has had the privilege of being a guest on the show, you guys are amazing. Just the way you guys snap off your material, the way you guys just sort of come up with shit right on the fly. Uh, I'm sure there's still some people out there who think that your shows are super prepared and put together. And and yeah, definitely there is preparation. There is prep work involved. But uh, when you guys record, you record just like a radio show uh, right off the cuff. And it's great. Uh, It was fun to witness uh, and to be a part of. And I hope to do it again sometime soon. Uh, We've been in talks to do that. Um, But yeah, uh, you guys are great. Love the show. Always look forward to every new episode. And um, cheers, guys. The only thing else I need to say, I guess, is Space Truckers times three. All right, you did this, Lee. That was played it three times. That was three times at once. There you go, Lee. There you you go, did that Lee. to yourself. <laughs> All right, our boy Scott from the podcast by the cemetery. Hey guys, congrats on making it to episode 150 without missing a week. That shit is incredible. I can't even imagine how much work goes into producing Cinema Psyops. Yeah, a fair bit. <laughs> yeah, a lot. I have no free time. <laughs> what do you mean a lot? Well, for you. Yeah, for me. Your show is one of the few podcasts that I look forward to each and every month. Monday. It's released on Sunday, so I guess he waits to listen. Uh, maybe until he goes to work. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> I store him up and then listen at work. You always choose some excellent films to cover, and the ones I haven't seen, I always make sure to watch before I listen, and I normally don't do that for other podcasts. Well, first of all, I'd like to apologize for uh, Horror House on Highway 5. Sorry about that. <laughs> I mean, it's brilliant because it intentionally is bad. We're sorry about Nurse Shelby. No, we're not. There's no Nurse Shelby, just Nurse Sherry. Oh, Nurse Sherry. Yeah, that's we're, it, Shelby. we're sorry if you you didn't get to see the nudity in Nurse Sherry. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Matt's still brewing about that. Motherfucker. So again, let me say congrats, and here's to 150 more. Your loyal garbage person, Scott. Thanks, uh, Scott. Yeah, Scott's the man. We're going to have to get him on the show. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> in year four. All right, so we've got two emails and one voicemail, so let's do it this way. One more email. We got a quick one here from uh, your boy Chansey. Great fucking job on 150 straight weeks. I've been trying to catch some segments. I will double my efforts. It's good shit, man. Keep them coming. Sounds like a relatively new listener. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Chauncey. <laughs> We're always glad to have new listeners. And if you've been around for a while, you've just been kind of picking and choosing. Just start from the beginning and go the whole way through. You'll only regret the hours of your life that you'll never get back from listening to us. Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's do the last, uh, yeah, we're going to do the last email and then we'll do the voicemail last here. Hey, Court. And in parentheses, he wrote, and Matt. Yay. <laughs> Matt gets a Saturday I just mention. like to be included. Just wanted to say a few quick words about your special celebration episode. Cinema PsyOps is one of my favorite shows and has quickly moved up the ranks to become must-listens every week with each new release. Wow, that's awesome. Regardless of my personal feelings for the film chosen. <laughs> that, yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> we do 
pick some out there stuff sometimes. The ability of you two to mix intelligent, thoughtful critique with an endless smattering of dick jokes and necrophilia references makes for the classic shows where I bust a lung laughing while gaining a new insight into a film I might not have realized before. And any show that keeps giving me new films to add to my watch list is never a bad thing. I don't know about intelligent and thoughtful. I was going to say, I, when you read that, I'm like, this uh, this guy's never listened to the show before in his entire life. <laughs> yeah, because he says we're insightful, or no, we offer new insight. He says that we're intelligent and thoughtful. Lies! We offer critique. Is it intelligent, thoughtful, critique? Now, the endless smattering of dick jokes and necrophilia references, yeah, that that I get. That's, that's yeah, that's us. But hey, if you if you find us intelligent, that's great, man. <laughs> if you think our stuff is intelligent, we think we're just a bunch of dumb assholes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your chemistry together is absolutely infectious. That's mostly because we have STDs. Mm. <laughs> and makes the shows so... Um, we need to shave off half our pubes. <laughs> and makes the shows so much fun and easy to listen to that it makes you want to go back and listen from the beginning of the show's run to see where all the clips were first uttered. Yeah, that, that would kind of fun, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I wouldn't want to do it. That's 150 episodes, man. Yeah. That's, we already lived them. That's way too much us. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations on reaching the milestone of 150 episodes. And always remember, hashtag it's only a movie. Hashtag bring back Bozbot. Hashtag Nashi forever. Hashtag Kaiju fandom. Hashtag hashtag. <laughs> Don wrote a review for us where he featured a shitload of hashtags. Yes, there's yeah. a lot of hashtags. Yeah. And that is our last email. So now we're going to run to our last voicemail. And oh, wait, I don't. Well, let's just play it. I guess we could always. It says it's from the VD clinic. I thought it was Vanessa, but. Oh, all right. Well, here we go. Hello, Court and Matt. This is the VD Clinic, returning your message. You know, you called and asked why it hurts so much when you pee. Well, we ran the test and we have found that you are completely hopeless. Yes, you are completely without any sense of hope. You should just jump right into a river right now. Just kidding. This is Vanessa. Um, hi, I'm just saying congratulations on 150 episodes. Um, you guys aren't hopeless. Well, I mean, maybe just a little bit. Well, we love you anyway. Um, so here's to another 150 shows. Hopefully no one kills each other and nobody's body parts fall off. Okay. <laughs> Play safe. Talk to you later. Bye. She snuck that in on us for a minute there. I thought that really was the V Clinic. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so the VD Clinic has not returned our phone call then. Uh, no, we're going to have to get that Garchrot looked at again, apparently. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> anyway, but Vanessa's wrong. I am hopeless, though. So. <laughs> yeah, what if we didn't make it past the part where she said she was just kidding and we actually found the nearest river and jumped into it? <laughs> Two less assholes of the world. <laughs> apparently. Then there would be no more shows. It stops yeah. at like 149 because yeah. 150 will never be released. That's right. It would be the lost <laughs> one that people go searching for. Uh, Vanessa has the best laugh, though. She does. She? Yeah. yeah. I love that fucking laugh. <laughs> and thank you so much, Vanessa, for the feedback and telling us how hopeless we are. We kind of already knew. <laughs> yeah. We already knew, for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's the last of the voicemails. Now I have the last minute people who waited till we basically... The last minute? Well, pretty much the last minute, um, up until about, you know, two hours ago when we first started recording, three hours ago. And so here we go. We have from my boy, Nudie. Congrats, my friends. One hundred and. 50 episodes is no joke. To have that staying power without using Viagra is an amazing feat. Don't we know it? Yeah, right. Court and Matt, may you have another 150 episodes filled with hashtag bacon boners. Love you, hairy bastards. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Nudie's got to be on the short list. He's yeah. got to be back on soup fast. We're remiss for not having him back quick enough. Correct. Uh, our boy Jake. Congrats, fellas. Always a great time listening to this show. And here's to 150 more. Hey, if Court and Matt can handle this many being in the same room together, another 150 shouldn't be too bad. Yeah, maybe. Possibly. <laughs> uh, they know we're on opposite sides of the country now. Our time-shifting orphan, Christopher. Well done, gentlemen. 150 episodes is a true accomplishment. You two have done a fantastic job honing your show over time, better audio, figuring out the format, and learning what it is that your listeners expect from you. I'm sure we will be congratulating you for your 300th episode and beyond. Wow. Uh, I don't I don't know. That's like another four years, man. Oh, Jesus Christ. And can we make it to any total? One of us is statistically going to be dead. Yeah, can we Given make our it, health. Can we make it to 10? <laughs> <laughs> Love you, fuckers. This is our boy, Ken. He's responding once again. Can't wait to listen. <laughs> and from... David from Watch, Read, Listen. Where the fuck is that show, David? Bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. We miss you. Congratulations on 150. I wish I had more to say, but here's to 150 more. Uh-oh, my bromance boss. Sorry I let you down on this. Brownie face. Massive congrats, guys. I guess he forgot, so. You know, it's serious. Boz throws in an emoji. <laughs> This is Scott once again from Podcast by the Cemetery. Congratulations to one of my all-time favorite podcasts. Now here is hoping Matt Psyop has enough in him to take seven more dicks. That's what he wrote. <laughs> I didn't make that up. What a bastard. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for all of the feedback there. Jesus Christ, man. That's, that was a lot. That's wearing me out. Let's uh, let's roll out this show because it's going to be a long one here. That's what she said. Yeah. We're going to play a promo for one more podcast here. We'll have a little bit of music and when we come back, we will close out this show. Then you come to the right place. My name is Gary and I am your guide to Cinema Beef Podcast. Every episode, we not only deliver film reviews, we also dismantle some of your favorite and most hated films. Sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. Hey, 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 you shut your face! If we want to hear you talk, I will shove my arm up your ass and work your mouth like a puppy. Alright, calm down, calm down. Every show I hope to have a new co-host, podcasters, listeners alike. That's right, I'm talking to you people. I take all comers. Oh, slats. That's not very nice. You only rules well. Let's ask the best cooler in the business. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless absolutely necessary. Three, So join the insanity and please vent your frustrations. I'm available on TalkShoe, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Remember, here at the Send Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder.
time for the fucking mosh pit and to wrap up this show. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm I'm spent. I'm completely out, man. I've, we have orgasmed a lot tonight. Yeah, I don't have any uh, you know fancy sayings or anything like that. I would like to thank everybody who took the time out of their weeks, their days, or their hours, or whatever it was that they did to give us a little bit of feedback, whether it's writing a comment, sending us an email, or taking the time to record and produce your own little recording for us for feedback voicemails. We really appreciate it, guys. Uh, we love the feedback that we get. We love interacting with all of you in the group and everything like that. So thank you so much for helping us along the way and being there listening to all 150 of these episodes. You know where to find us. We're on legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. You know the Facebook group. You just have to find it there for Cinema Psyops. And if you haven't joined yet, if you're apprehensive about it, seriously, it's a community unlike any other on Facebook. You'll have a blast there. It's a safe place for weirdos like us. Yes, it is. You can find me on Facebook. I am Court Psyops. You can find Matt on Facebook. He is Matt Psyop. You know the drill about the plank with the yellow face, the jaundice, because his liver's failing. That's actually him. Yes. Even though in real life he looks more of like a Lonchini Jr. (laughs) We gotta get that looked at then. Jesus. Yeah. You can get a bad ticker. You can email feedback to Matt, psyopmatt at gmail.com. Let him know you got a black market heart to sell him. Ooh. (laughs) I don't know if it'll match your blood type. I mean, it's mostly Seagram's at this point. Yeah, that goes with anything. (laughs) You can email feedback to court, cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com. Let them know that Matt's heart troubles is not a laughing matter. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing. Gotta do something, man. You can't just fucking sit there and let it go. You can tweet a couple of tweets, do a couple of twats on the tweeters. I am at court underscore psyop, and he is at psyop Matt. Once again, folks, thank you so much for downloading and listening to all of these 150 episodes and being with us through this entire journey. We're coming up on our year four, and things are about to get all sorts of nasty and sexy. Yeah. Yeah. And before it does, kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. That shit gets everywhere. It really does. I mean, I don't don't know know from like sex on the beach. I've never had that, but I've passed out on my fair share of beaches. And I can tell you, that shit gets everywhere. Coincidentally, anytime Matt has passed out on the beach, someone has had sex with him. He just didn't know it. No. (laughs) That's why you wear the chastity belt. (laughs) Or vagrants just Just, use your mouth as a condom. Nah, that not either. (laughs) Usually they take one look at my face and even they pass that up. I don't know. Most homeless people are any port in a storm. (laughs) Yeah. Listen, that's why it's that bad. Nobody wants that port. (laughs) 
nobody wants. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you? Those super long bosses are just gonna get truncated out. I don't know why you even bother with those. It's hazard what he does! I've never really been a huge fan of Jeff Goldblum. Really? Yeah, I, there's certain things I like him in. I like the quirky, weird thing that he does now that he's older. Yeah. Because he's tamed it down a little bit. Mm -hmm. But like Jurassic Park era Jeff Goldblum, like 90s era Jeff yeah. Goldblum, not really a fan. Oh, uh, went off the rails a little too much for you. Yeah, it just, he irritates me. I don't know what it is. Hmm. But I like him in other things. I liked him in Jurassic Park. I right? think his finest work was in Transylvania 6 5000. That's probably a definite <laughs> fact. If I had to guess. Also, coincidentally, Gina Davis's finest work in Transylvania 6 5000. I would also say that as well. <laughs> Gina Ed, Davis is a handsome woman. <laughs> and Ed Bakley Jr.'s finest work is Transylvania 6 5000. Good lord, man. Ed, Everyone's finest work is Transylvania 6 5000. I think the epitome of all movie making is Transylvania 6 5000. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Fucking A. We're going to have to cover that one next year. I didn't realize you were a fan as well. Oh, yeah. I fucking love that movie. Yeah. I watched it all the time when it was on HBO when I was a kid. Yeah, that might end up being a couple's therapy movie with my wife. There you go. Although she won't appreciate how much I drool over Gina Davis in that movie, I'm sure. Well, if she's not also drooling over Gina Davis, then I don't know what to say anymore about America. You want more than one pair of socks yeah, to make it nice and rip. thick so, yeah, so it doesn't rip. Yeah. And then whenever you do the quarters, you want to form a nice ball. You don't want to just throw the two rolls of quarters yeah. in there. <laughs> Probably right. Yeah, but no, I'm right. It, but it's just, <laughs> I've used blackjacks before. Let's just keep it the movie. <laughs> it works best if you use old batteries like double A's. That would actually best. Or a couple B batteries. I should know. Them. I've been to a Philadelphia Eagles football game. <laughs> They actually do throw batteries there. I've heard about yeah, that. Yeah, I know. A sack full of doorknobs. Yeah. Whatever you need. That, that makes a good melee weapon to beat people in. And then you go to that playground. You show those kids who's bought. I actually did beat up a bully with a sock full did of you? batteries. <laughs> I meant now. At our age now, we go to that kid's playground. Oh, yeah, yeah. You show those five-year-olds what's <laughs> oh, up. Oh, my God. You're king by the end of the day. They won't call you Mr. Poopyhead with their skulls caved in, will they? That's right. <laughs> My feelings were hurt! <laughs> Uh, let's see here. The clashing, blah, blah, blah. Not many outtakes anyway, because we're moving along very quickly. Whether you're a liberal snowflake or if you're an alt-right cuck. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Isn't the liberal snowflake, is it a liberal cuck in a right-wing snowflake? Or? I don't know the fucking I don't know jargon. what they're fucking doing over there. Fuck them all. Yeah. <laughs> then let's just burn down to the ground. <laughs> it's getting there on its own. Anarchy! We don't have to do anything. Hey, I like anarchy, especially the kind that I run. That's not anarchy, then. It is anarchy. No, no one's runs no, anarchy. There's no overarching government. There's just the strong and those who are subjugated by them. Jesus. Well, that kind of is anarchy. <laughs> you said your anarchy. Yeah. It's anarchy that I run. You don't run it. You can't run anarchy. <laughs> yes, I can. Jesus Christ, You fucking man. watch me. <laughs> you want to see me go? Oh, I'll go. Oh, well, then go ahead. But it's not anarchy. That's a dictatorship. It's not anarchy anymore. Fine. Then it's a dictatorship. Okay. Thank you. I just want to make sure. With right? no other government, therefore it's anarchy that I run. No, it's not. God damn it. Shut the fuck up. The definition alone, you're fucking wrong. <laughs> oh, where the fuck was I? <laughs>
And a boy, Mark. Uh, sorry I'm lame and just sent an email instead of a voicemail. Last weekend kind of stuck. And I don't need to read this out. Uh, no, that's, yeah, that's that's just him. Mark, you sent us a fucking email. Yeah, Mark sent us an email. You're fine, Mark. You're just fine. <laughs> settle it down over there. There's plenty of people out there that didn't even send us an email. And, yeah. You know, didn't even really write anything in the comments. So. Didn't even offer to invite us to the PSYOP orgies that are apparently happening. <laughs> yeah, so you're, you're fine. You're fine. Nothing to worry about there. sand in my ass.